This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking In the Heights. Aaron, I'll take a coffee con leche. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. Mad expensive, but we live with just enough In the Heights. I flip the lights and start my day. are now recording and this is out now with aaron and abe i am aaron and as always this is abe hello hello out now is a film podcast where abe and i discuss new movies weekly we dig into movies via most spoiler for your review the occasional commentary track or some other fun movie topic this episode 455 455 that's perfect for uh you know the floor that we're on for in the heights and <laughs> sure and that is the movie we're talking about this week in the heights a movie we've been waiting over a year for at this point, as far as its original release date goes. But here we are now talking about the film, finally. And joining us to discuss In the Heights, we have, from Movies Marcus, and the artist behind Doodles Marcus, with 96 Gs, he'd be able to kick off the Doodles Marcus animated series. It's Marcus Robinson. Thank you, thank you. I'm here, I'm back. <laughs> also, also, <laughs> okay. yes, yes, yes. Also, also joining us. Also joining us. I'm here to kill the games today. That's all I'm here for. <laughs> also joining us, programmer for the Newport Beach Film Festival and writer for the blog Right to Recite, she always prefers a piragua with cherry, so take that, Mr. Safi. It's Anna Bosch. Hi, you guys. Hey, Anna. Hey, Marcus. Good hey. to have you guys on. Marcus is like, yeah. How are you both doing this afternoon? Great. Well, doing well, yeah. <clears throat> I was just saying earlier off air, just like, I just had some panqueques and they were pretty dense but they were good well, well good right. i wish i had pancakes but uh no good to, good to have you all here we're uh, this is gives me a, a fun show we've got a lot of fun things to talk about but we're going to get into all of that soon enough first we're going to do some announcements real quick some show notes uh first things first new commentary track uh this week in fact we will be recording our next commentary track for the fast and the furious the first film in the now nine-part, ten-part, if you count Hobbs and Shaw, of course, ten-part saga <laughs> that is the Fast and Furious franchise. We're going to take it back to the beginning uh, this week. Which is gonna, that's going to be a lot of fun. Do our oh, track with the we're going to be wearing super baggy jeans, oversized <laughs> shirts. We're going to pop, pop out uh, that Aaron and I are going to frost our hair tips. <laughs> my, my hair tips are always frosted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't wait for uh, – we're going to buy Etnies skate shoes. Aaron's gonna repaint his car. Yeah, lo- yeah, bright green. That'd be that'd be the and yellow. You're gonna do green and yellow. Uh-huh. Love it. Blast that jaw rule. Yeah. Monica. <laughs> well, yeah. Anyway, we'll save that for the. We'll save that for the. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to this episode. So, yeah, that's that's gonna be our commentary for the month. It's gonna be a lot of fun, of course. And you can find that commentary and everything we do for this podcast over on iTunes, where you can also give us a rating interview, which would be wonderful. Thank you so much in advance. Yeah. And uh, let's see, summer gamble update. Uh, Uh-oh. We, <laughs> I'm losing. <laughs> a, a little bit here because uh, this week we have In the Heights, of course, which didn't open very strong, open to $11.6 no. mm-hmm. 
Uh, obviously, it's the first weekend. We'll see where things go from there, let alone the rest of the films of the summer. But this is the competition where Abe and I, along with many friends of the show, including Marcus, uh, we've all predicted what we think are going to be the top 10 highest grossing films of the summer. This year, we're doing it for the worldwide box office. So by the end of this summer, we're going to see which films came out on top. But so far in the heights, uh, probably in the lows, if I'm going to you know, track the numbers. Ouch. But uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe you know, there will be a, a Washington Heights miracle, and it will pick up a lot of word of mouth and growth uh, over, the, over the months to come. Oh, boy. Uh, That'd be great. Thank you so much in advance. Is <laughs> <laughs> that so your catchphrase now? <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. In advance. Take care. Um, all right. Take care. Good night and good luck. <laughs> let's uh, okay. Let's let's move on now. Let's get to so let's get to some bad cookies. Yep. Each Dreadmark. Cool. Marcus, let's start with you. What other movies have you seen recently? Um, I actually just saw Stray. <clears throat> it's a um, I, it, it was uh, the, it's the same director who did uh, I think in pronouncing right Kida, um, the movie where they followed a bunch of stray cats around Istanbul. This one they follow uh, stray dogs around Istanbul because in Istanbul um, it's illegal to hold uh, hold captive or euthanize stray dogs. Um, so this was filmed between 2017 and 2019, and we just follow um, these actually really big stray dogs. If you're thinking they're little chihuahuas, they're yeah, they're pretty this big. Sample, so they're, dogs like, they're like mastiffs, right? They're big. They're 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 some of them are like labs. Some of them, are, yeah, they're bigger dogs. But you, it as as coming from this as as an American, it's it's odd to see this interaction where people are not really acknowledging the dogs that are kind of swinging around them, uh, uh, playing around them, fighting around them. They're kind of like uh, just co- coexisting. It's, it's after you get past that, it's, it's really, really interesting to watch as we follow these dogs um, and hear the background noises of the town, hear the background noises of people talking politics, shopping, protesting. Um, poker. There's, playing poker there's interactions with um a group of uh uh, homeless syrian children um that the dogs really really love and we get a quick glimpse of their lives and then they go away and we follow the dogs which is is very interesting also the the camera work here is spectacular how the dogs don't really notice the cameras or don't really seem to care about the cameras is 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 uh is something to see it's essentially a nature documentary, but it's focused on stray dogs um, in in a major city, and it's only an hour and twelve minutes long. Um, I did, my mind did did it, it, it's it's as, probably as much as you could stay with uh, with a, a movie where you're just following stray dogs around, because um, my mind did wander a little bit. But overall, it, it was intriguing to see the dynamic of of uh, being in an area where. People are not shooing away stray dogs or like kicking stray dogs. It, they're it's very much coexisting. It's 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 interesting. Where'd you see this? Um, I saw it on demand. Okay, so it's on demand. Yeah, it's on demand. Yeah, uh, yeah. Very cool. Anna, how about you? What have you seen recently? Well, definitely, you and I saw Peter Rabbit two: Colin the Runaway. Thank you for the call. And you're very welcome. <laughs> it, <laughs> you know, it was fun. It was enjoyable. I think the first one. As we were talking out of theater, it's more enjoyable. And then we saw In the Heights again because the first time we saw it, we didn't stay for the end credits. So that was rewarding. Let's let's go back to Peter Rabbit real quick. We saw Peter Rabbit. 
you've been yeah. lo- you've been looking forward to this film for a while. I did, and it was it was fine. I mean, <laughs> you know, like the first one, the first one, I was laughing more. Like I did laugh a little bit here and there. Like it's still good. Like it's it's uh, you know, I feel like more of a story laying out like this whole thing of um, don't be a sellout to your own artistic expressions and what have you. Mm-hmm. Because you know, I'm not gonna get into it, but like what happens with Rose Byrne's character. Rose Byrne's character, yeah, where she's like now as an author with Peter Rabbit, it's a really good seller and everything. And then someone comes in as a new publisher and wants to impose all their ideas and make it really much bigger and you can, you know, have fast cars and all of this. So it kind of does hit on that tone, which is, is neat because it's I mean it's true, that's what happens. You end up being a sellout <laughs> from your own like, you know, art forms mm-hmm. and stuff. So I mean, it was, it was fun. I, I mean, I don't disagree moment. with you. I do I think know. I do think it's it's fun without being like. like I, I, I kind of. I, I, I just want to be quick and sweet with that one because I'm just like, eh, yeah. But go ahead, go ahead. What you're gonna say? I was just gonna say no. I I like the first one well enough, and I think this one's like mm-hmm. it's a little lesser. But I think a lot of that comes from I think Donald Gleason and Peter Rabbit. I think the the battle they were having in the first one was genuinely hilarious to me. Where there's less mm-hmm. there's less of that in this movie. And, right. And I like something about Donald Gleason. He's he's very funny playing uptight guy who gets into zany situations. Like that's funny to me. Like I think he does that well. He does that well in Star. He's one of the few fun things in Star Wars, and then they kill him off in the third one for no reason. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it's JJ uh, Abrams probably has to write about that too. Yeah, we all do. Um, <laughs> seeing it. Um, but oh, <laughs> but, I was like we're all producers on the movie. You didn't get your uh, billion dollar uh, percentage oh, check? Oh, no, I didn't. <laughs> but, uh, but he is a comedic, you know, yeah, he's, he's individual. He's... So he does bring it some laughter. So that those are the beats are funny. And so, yeah, I do agree. Or if you had still the, their challenge between each other, like you get that with his tomatoes. And it's just like, but it's it. That's it. That's the end of it. He just kind of like, don't touch them. And before we were always seeing them like a cat and mouse chasing around and getting into um, mischief and stuff. So, you don't really get that as much, but it, 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 again, it's it's, I, it's I, storytelling in a different way. I, I will say it does add the it's the one thing of the many things James Corden does where he seems to be self-aware that he can be annoying, and I like that. I like <laughs> yeah, I don't even personally have much against James Corden. I just don't watch him, so I don't really you know I don't keep up with him to be like oh this guy. It's just more like he's in a lot of stuff it seems, and this is like the one property where he seems to acknowledge yeah I can be annoying like and that's that's funny that's that's funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So yeah, we saw those two, but then I also I was telling Aaron yesterday I've been watching um on Netflix this series because I like food, so it's Taco Chronicles, and great name. Yeah, and it just really makes you want to have tacos, like. <laughs> <laughs> and then you think about it because there's an episode it delves into like how Americans have come to know what a taco is, and it's really not what a taco is, mm-hmm. but that's it's it's good, you know. Um, and then I was telling him as well, I finished watching this um, Selena series and didn't watch the first season <laughs> because I was just like not getting into it. And because I'm just like, why are we doing like high school? And I'm like, OK, like I remember this actress as like Susie on Ned to Classify. So are we doing that right now? <laughs> I'm like, because we never see like Selena in high school. I mean, she was young, but like we we don't know that part of her. Right. We just know of her career. And so then the second season that just went out in May, I was like, okay, I can get into this more because it has to do more framing of like the songs and how 
you know, the songs came to be where, you know, AB and them are standing outside the bus and they're like, well, what do you call like a car that's all junky and stuff? And they're like, oh, one of the band members says, Cargacha. So then that's how that song comes to be. So it's more of like, not, it doesn't go too much into that, but there's little hints there and there about like the, the coming of these songs and what have you. And then, of course, spoilers, it ends because she's she's dies. Um, oh, no. no which is interesting. Is that the end I'm of the second gonna... season? <laughs> yes. So this so I'm, so, no, I'm, I'm just so this oh, is there's only two seasons. There's only two seasons. That's what I was asking. Yes. Yes. So it's not like so I, was... I wasn't sure if it went if it went that far within the second season, or if there was going to be like the third and that'd be the, the finale. I, I didn't know where in the timeline where things go. No. And see, that's where I was telling yesterday where I can see where where it comes to her death you the last um scene is ab and it's super emotional for him to see like him just in the studio and knowing his sister is gone and then i feel like that is um what kind of catapults him to kind of continue his own career and he becomes ab and the cumbia kings so i'm like you could keep going with that you know but i don't think that's going to be a thing but it'd be neat to see that would explain why the there's been that netflix controversy that came out as far as the selena writers not being happy with how netflix treated them since the show's over now presumably that's why they i assume that's why they have the interview to begin with it's because they have nothing to lose anymore mm. like the show's ended mm. right and because yeah like because the second season i mean it's really quick and just <clears throat> thinking about like when aaron told me about this i looked into it in the articles and it stated somewhere about like how i guess netflix for the selena series they were only given two million for their budget where like the crown and other series get 13 million and mm. I mean, you can really see it because there's fake driving scenes. It feels like you're watching like those old school movies where they're like in the car and the scene just passing by them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's that it's and I know it's been complaints about how the film or not the film, but the, the series just looks a lot of like them dressing up. And it is it's a lot of costume dress up and then it doesn't feel like anything really authentic like that whole driving scene, every time they're in the car, I'm like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's just them in a, <laughs> you know, not a real vehicle driving around. Um, but overall, you think the second season was more successful as far as doing something with her? Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, I feel like it's not needed. Like, I wasn't really going to watch it. But then I was like, well, why not? And I just feel like it's kind of just wanted to retelling these stories for a newer generation. And that's why I feel like it comes a spoiler and a shocker for some to, for them, the emotional beats are different. Cause it's like, Whoa, this person passed away. Cause I kid you not a coworker, her boyfriend walked into the room while she was watching the last <laughs> episode. He's like, Oh, that's Yolanda. She's the one that killed Selena. And she's like, what? <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, <laughs> and I was just cracking up when she's telling me this. Cause I'm like, yeah, like you didn't know that. Like, just for me too like i remember what i was like how old was i it was like 94 right something like yeah so i was probably like seven and so i mean i remember that stuff quickly just because it happening when you know i'm alive so i can get it for people who are being introduced now they're like oh that's what happened (laughs) so yeah that's (laughs) that's about it okay hey how about you (laughs) well i've seen the first 30 minutes of Cool Hand Luke up to the point where he talks to his mom in the back of a truck. And then uh, I don't know where it goes from there. So he's, I'll finish it up. Really, yeah, you finished that one. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, they're just introducing a lot it. of hard labor here. Um, you know, Paul Newman just doing a Paul Newman thing of just cutting the heads off of parking meters and drinking. And then he's in, he's in jail all of a sudden. So, uh, you know, a lot of hints about uh, 
being a war hero, and then, you know, never giving up because he doesn't go down when uh, he's boxing that guy. <laughs> but we'll see where it all ends up soon. Um, the other movie that I watched was uh, Road to Perdition. I guess I was on a Paul oh, Newman kick, apparently. <laughs> yeah. And that movie is solid. There's actually just like, you know, yeah. there, there's some, some fun things in that in terms of like Jude Law being like uber creepy Jude and Law's weird. Jude fantastic in that movie. I think he's so yeah. good in that movie. Yeah, good good teeth. Uh, good fake teeth. That's what you think. Um, anyway, Road to Perdition. Really made that good. come alive there. Yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I can't wait to hear what you think of the end of Cool Hand Luke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Marcus, tune in six months from now when I when I. You got it, of course. <laughs> Anything else, Butch Cassidy? Uh, the Sting. No, those will probably be coming in later. Yeah. I saw the and first fifteen minutes this of this Casablanca. Was... Well, I, I mean, was I not in that. Marcus, was... shut up. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> it's a great oh, movie. Gosh. <laughs> uh, no, but I, I was on a. Um, I guess I was like on a. Uh, uh, an old like let me go watch some old movies because I was watching because uh, I guess there were some clips of Young Frankenstein circulating uh, for its anniversary or uh, something like that uh, over the past week and I was like oh well, let me go check out some of these quote unquote older movies and uh, you know I just stumbled upon Cool Hand Luke and I was like okay well let me go and check this out but what I dig <laughs> about these old movies which I'm sure that uh, everybody in who has ever written an essay about movies um, realizes like they just they they tend to like linger on a shot just way longer, um, like in a scene in a shot, and that kind of really adds to a lot of uh, ambiance and, and atmosphere for the movie. So you know, like in terms of editing and in terms of um, uh, which one call it uh, overall progression of your story, like from a script perspective, man, I, I this must have been like a super long script. So we'll see. Well, films had more breathing room back then; they didn't have to edit for. I mean. The 80s really changed things as far as editing rhythms go. Yeah. Um, I've seen a number of things this week. Um, mm-hmm. No Paul Newman movies, unfortunately. Is he in? No, not in that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um But uh, first up is Infinite. Uh, this is it, this was going to be a theatrical movie, but then, uh, let's see, three weeks ago, it was announced as a Paramount Plus film. Uh, a week after that, they got a trailer. A week after that, the movie came out. Um, so, <laughs> and so what you're saying is not going to go beyond uh, exactly <laughs> um, this, this movie's not good it stars Mark Wahlberg it's directed by Anton Fuqua so it's the shooter recoupling that you wanted to see um, oh, yeah. the, the, the key problem is that Mark Wahlberg is horribly miscast in this movie it stars him as basically Neo because the movie's a giant Matrix ripoff where people um they can remember their past lives and then are they're like spirits are reincarnated into other souls. And these are like special individuals. They're basically like chosen ones. Mark Wahlberg is one of these and he's like the best of them. But the movie, he's supposed to be like this fresh faced, naive guy that's learning about the secret society of people that like have this ability. He's 50 years old. I mean, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't make any sense, especially when the cold open is Dylan O'Brien playing the person that he becomes. So it's like, why isn't Dylan O'Brien the lead of this movie? Like, I just I couldn't that would make more sense. I, I couldn't quite like that'd be a huge you know yeah Wahlberg at the beginning and then he dies and becomes Dylan like that makes a lot of sense to me. Who dies and becomes Mark Wahlberg? Like that's really strange. <laughs> but also the rest of the movie sucks. So I mean, it's not like anything else. You know, <laughs> anything. Anyway, um, it's not. Well, is it short? 
It's merciful, mercifully yes. It is like only 140 yeah. minutes okay. or something like that. So it's not you know it's not. If anything, it's it's probably been whittled down from 140 minutes, an hour and 40 minutes. Oh, okay, cool. It's been okay. hopefully it's been I assume it's been whittled down from like some god awful length of time, <laughs> but so it's like just really quick pace. But there's just nothing to it. Chiwetel Ejiofor is the villain, and he's he I mean he's he's Ejiofor. He brings it all the time, but he's you know mm-hmm. he's wasted in a movie like this because it's terrible. Uh, didn't like it. No good. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> speaking of didn't like it and no good, I also saw Hitman's Bodyguard's wife. Um, the sequel, of course, to The Hitman's Bodyguard. Um, oh, yeah. I was not big on that first one. Um, that said, the things that it had working for it uh, were kind of Reynolds and Sam Jackson playing like exaggerated versions of their general screen persona mixed with some pretty good action filmmaking. Everyone returns, including the director, and the action is just bad this time. So it's like on top of things that already aren't really funny as far as a comedy goes, the action is also just not very good either. Which is a shame because it has to do, Abel, with what you were saying, editing. The editing in this movie is awful as far as the action goes. It's very choppy. You can't see the stuff that's clearly going on, which is unfortunate because as terrible as this movie is, you can tell, like, the stunts are really practical and big and probably very dangerous. So it's like, I feel bad for Mm -hmm. the stunt performers that probably went through hell to make this movie, yet none of that works really captured that well on camera. It's, uh, or at least in the editing process, so, uh. Yeah, in addition to being not very funny, the action sucks. So there's just no real gain from watching this movie. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> it was no Cool Hand Luke. It was no Cool Hand Luke. You're right. Yeah. No, no one ate 50, Spoiler alert, guys. No, no, no one ate 50 eggs in this movie. Um, <laughs> no, no, spoiler. <laughs> uh, I will mention something else, though, that's more positive, since I've talked about two terrible things. Um, Marcus, Abe, you both had Blind Spotting, I believe, is your number one film of that year, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, the show. Have been. I can't remember. It, it was. Um, yeah, mine I was remember. I also had it. It was my number two of that year. Regardless, the show, yes, Marcus, you're correct. It is coming out on Stars today of this recording. I've seen the first six episodes of this series. It's very good. Like right. it's it's a great sequel series to the movie. It picks up like six months after where the movie ends, uh, because David Diggs is you know very busy and popular. He's not in it, but he and Rafael Casal they created this show. They've written every episode together. He's a producer. Regardless, it focuses on Rafael Casal's um, his girlfriend, played by uh, Jasmine Safis Jones. She's now like the lead character. Rafael Casal's still in it for like a good amount of it, and it uh, it's still going over like Oakland life and everything. This time, Casal's character, he's gone to jail, and so it's up. It, it's about her moving in with uh, her, Casal's her, her, mother, played by Helen Hunt, and so it's her and her son and Helen Hunt mm. and, like, the characters in that area. And it just, it has, because it's, you know, it's the same writer, same creative team and everything, it just has the same feel of the movie, and it's, very, it's still very stylish as well. I think it does a great job of capturing the kind of heightened uh, reality that the movie you know, brought into it, including like people talking in verse to camera and some stylistic touches involving like colors and whatnot. So like, is if you were a fan of the movie, you're not gonna be disappointed with the series. You just have to have Where, stars. Streaming. You just have to have stars, which nobody has. So we'll oh. see what happens. <laughs> That's not true. A lot of people have stars apparently. Some some of these shows last for a bunch of seasons. I don't know anything about them, but they're oh around. yeah, totally yeah. Just more like I don't have. There's stars. like three different like power shows. I have no idea what power is beyond the fact that Omari Hardwick stars in it, but there's like three versions of that show. So whatever. Oh, don't don't mess around with Tommy. You don't want to you don't want to get caught in that boat. I, I don't even know what that means. So there. You <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully you'll never have to. 
so yeah blind spotting um that that starts this week um I'm glad to hear it's good yeah, yeah. No, i mean it, it was really it has everybody involved in the movie involved in this show so like i had little, sure. little doubt but i'm glad yes i am glad that it carries that over last thing i'll talk about raiders of the lost ark um it turned Never heard of it. it turned 40 this week and the, oh. the indiana jones 4k <laughs> set came out so i watched raiders of the lost ark guys that movie's pretty good um <laughs> it's just the best adventure is that movie. the one with paul newman <laughs> it's close it's close i think the, <laughs> i think the, ver- the verdict came out around that time <laughs> so, um... <laughs> so yeah that's enough weeks gm all right let's move on now let's get to some trailer talk we talked about some of the newest maybe trailers, what we thought of them when they're coming out, what have you. We got a couple. We we're talking about a musical this week, so we got a couple musical trailers going on. First up is Dear Evan Hansen. This is a musical starring Ben Platt, who I think won like Tonys or something for this thing on stage. Uh, now he plays the world's oldest high school student, Evan Hansen, um, who <laughs> seems to be a, a loner in school, um, a, a classmate. He befriends to some degree. The, the classmate, like Evan Hansen writes some letter, classmate takes it from him, then commits suicide, but the letter seems to be addressed from this classmate to Evan Hansen, so now it's like, whoa, what's going on here? Was this, now Evan Hansen's popular, but feeling guilty about it or something. There's a lot, there's, there's, I didn't know what to think of, knowing like, just that this movie exists, and seeing like the first half of this trailer i didn't know where this was going and then i was like oh this is the plot that's something but that's that's all i have to say for now let's go to marcus what do you think of this dear evan hansen so i'm glad i didn't i'm not the only one who didn't really know uh because this is a big this is like a big deal right this 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 it seems it's like it's a it. tony award winning i it's a grammy award winning um uh, uh broadway musical um <clears throat> but uh, I didn't know the plot. I, I knew I had heard some of the songs because my wife's really into uh, into uh, Broadway and the Tonys. Um, so I'd heard some of the songs before, and I knew he has social anxiety. Uh-huh. That's his whole thing. Like that's his his. So he can't really talk to people, and he can't really interact. And I was okay. So seeing this, I'm like, okay. I, interested to see somebody who has social anxiety as the main character and and maybe there's a new twist on this or something like that uh um and I'm, i i also read up on it a little bit and saw that it was directed by the guy who did wonder Perks of being a wildflower and wonder, and wonder. Yeah. steven steven chops um so so i'm interested um but like you i really don't know much about it and i was kind of when i saw the trailer i was like oh this is what this Oh, all right. Okay. Fine. Anna, how about you? What do you think of this Dear Evan Hansen trailer? Oh, man. Oh. Well, I guess I'll begin. Aaron was like, nudged me when, when we were watching The Heights again. He's like, this is the trailer we're talking about tomorrow. I was like, I'm just over here trying to enjoy my brownie. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not like really into contemporary theater. Anything like really... I would say after 2008 or so, when it comes to plays, I'm not really into, but I it didn't give any interest to me at all. And sure, there could be a storyline there that's like they're trying to talk about where it's like the whole bullying and social anxiety, but it just didn't do anything for me when it popped up on the screen yesterday. And I'll leave it to that. Right, Abe? Wow. Um, I found this trailer problematic. 
And I am on the same boat as like Aaron, your your brief thoughts earlier, and then also Marcus. I was like, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I was like, okay, well, cool. I think I have a feeling about where this trailer is going or what this plot is all about. And it kept moving forward. It kept moving forward in such a way where I was like, okay, I, I pretty much feel like I've seen the entire movie minus like some dialogue here and there, maybe some songs here and there. Um, but uh, yeah, not a great feeling. Did I do more research after I saw the trailer about what the play is about? I did. Um, did I? Uh, am I going to talk about it more? Probably not. We'll, we'll, we'll leave it at that. But I, I found um, overall, like you know, it, it's like a weird downward spiral kind of thing. But I, I will say that I think one of the, I guess, the positive takeaways, not that I'm super negative on it, is that I feel like the songs are going to carry the movie, and probably going to feel yeah. as though those would be the things that will be like, okay, well, despite everything that's happening around the plot um i mean i guess a sing-songy way to to keep the plot going isn't the best way to describe things but hey it is what it is um but yes like in a word problematic because um you know just i i don't know how this relates to anything and that that's wow. not a good thing <laughs> I, uh, I gotta look into what this movie's about. I mean, I'm not gonna look into it just because I want to, I guess, figure that out as I go. At the same time, I mean, in terms of like seeing the whole thing in the trailer, it's like, well, it's a musical. Most musicals are sure, very predictable. Yeah. I mean, that's it's the songs that should carry it. I haven't heard any of the songs, so I have no idea. I have no idea what to expect. My, I'm not trying to focus on this, and I know it's been a topic of discussion for even Ben Platt to come out and talk about it, but. He does look really old in this, right? Like, like it's not just that he looks old; it's that everyone around him looks very young. I think that's the thing. Right. So he looks like Jack. Sure. He looks like Robin Williams and Jack at this point, as far as this goes. I mean, less hair in the arm, but yeah. I guess they could have just had more background actors to be equivalent to his age then. But I mean, if you look at you know yearbooks from like if your parents' yearbooks and stuff like from the seventies, eighties, those kids look like they were grown-ups <laughs> yeah but that's the 70s and 80s like, where people did like, look different then this is no, now this is a like, modern I mean, film they look like grown they look like grown adults and like i could you know if i look at i'm sure my own yearbook like i look like just a kid but then there are certain people that end up looking more adults depending on whether it's the girls with the makeup or the guys i don't know if jocks just become more mature because they're doing a lot of you know sports and stuff and hormones <laughs> what have you but like <laughs> It's it's interesting. I mean, yeah. if you if you I get it. Like this has to be an issue for people, right? About age and how they're fitting for a high school role. But I mean, it, we'll get into it even within the well, high school. Aaron, it comes Aaron, down I to think, like it, just to like uh, to talk about that super quickly. I think that if they made it less obvious, that's what uh, I'm saying. Made, that's yeah. <laughs> if they if they made it like not even like with or surrounding characters, but for the actor himself, they're like, it feels like they put prosthetics on. It looks like, you know, some of the wonder makeup to some degree. And it's like, if you guys made it look like he's not, uh, he, the guy lost weight for the role too. I was like, you know, I, I'm totally okay with him being like 32 and being in this movie. Yeah. It's not, it's but not a fact. It's not the fact that he, like he's 18. It's not the fact that he is this age and he's in the, it's right. the fact that he looks distracting to the rest of the film. Like it's not yeah, only that he's, yeah. That he's a, has he social anxiety, but that he's like distractingly different from everybody else around him, which is, you know, this isn't wonder where that's like the point of the movie. I feel like yeah. the point isn't that he's supposed mm -hmm. to physically look different. It's that he just is pers personality wise. Right. So it's mm -hmm. but I mean, that 
that's here nor there. Maybe that'll grow on you as sure. you watch this movie that we're all very yeah. excited to watch, obviously. Uh, so <laughs> they should have just made everybody older. That's well, like, I mean, that's, yeah, that's, 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 that's one way. That's one way to counter it. But regardless, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I um, I I don't have much to go on with this. It's just like okay. This is that thing I heard things about when it was like winning stuff on the stage. Yeah. I don't know how that's going to transfer over. I do right where I I just say I do I do like Wonder and Perks. I think those are like fine films as far as that director goes. So ideally he's able to bring something to this. It has cinematographer Brandon Trost, Abe. So that's that's something. Uh, there you go. And like you know the cast is fine. I guess the rest of them or something. You get what uh, Julia Moore and Amy Adams in here is like the veterans. So see what happens but i mean story-wise yeah it's not really winning me over as far as doing anything that's all that intriguing it's just like all right this guy's got no friends that sucks like we'll see what happens you're cold i mean it's just Very like it didn't if, if, you know he's out of his plot yeah. all right well dear evan hansen arrives in theaters september 24th this fall so see how that goes great let's get to our next trailer uh this is for uh tick tick boom this is the upcoming film directed by Lin Manuel Miranda. It it was um based it's based on a play by uh, Jonathan Larson who created Rent. And I because this trailer is very vague as far as what actually is going on, I'm going to read what the premise says on Wikipedia. An aspiring theater composer <laughs> endures a midlife crisis as he approaches 30. It does not feel close to his dream. It stars Andrew Garfield. With that, Marcus again, <laughs> where are you feeling it with Tick Tick Boom? I didn't get any of that off of the <laughs> what I saw. It was pretty. It's a pretty ambiguous trailer um, overall. I, I mean, except for that first sequence, it, it says from the creator of Rent, and it looks like a scene from Rent. And I'm like, oh, okay, makes sense. Bunch of Bohemians hanging um, out and singing. Yeah, and they're singing about Bohemians. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, but uh, I'm I, I I really enjoy Andrew Garfield, and uh, I'm interested to see what a Lin Manuel directed film uh would look like i mean there's a scene where he's where where andrew garfield is pressing away the the front of the building and the building goes backwards and he and i'm like okay this is kind of like maybe it's maybe he maybe this is like musical inception or something but then you read the Mm -hmm. plot and i was like what i said what is this what it oh he's turning 30 that's what it means okay (laughs) (laughs) anna how about you are you interested in a lin-manuel directed musical film I feel kind of similar to Marcus where I'm like, when I had fast forward through the trailer and I was looking, I'm like, oh yeah, it is like kind of musical inception. And then it has like that whole, like I was telling you guys earlier about like this whole Dunkirk film with like just knowing that ticking, how some films use ticking in the trailers. Mm-hmm. So that's all very catchy, but I feel like, I don't know, same thing with the, the other one that we were just talking about. I don't think it probably has uh, a strong storyline, but that could be developed at some point of course and it could be good i just don't really know they're just not really like i feel like both of these trailers are just they're not really like pop out to you or at least for me i can understand maybe that. someone else i can understand so that. they're right where it's just like they're kind of i, I don't want to use the word mediocre but like i guess that's where i'm at with both of these trailers yeah this one's obviously more vague it's more of a teaser than like a full trailer mm-hmm. which i i think well, i assume we'll get at some point but as far as the movie itself goes i i agree with marcus as far as i like andrew garfield i I think he's a guy that likes to experiment so Mm -hmm. if you're going to put him with lin-manuel to do like a big musical movie 
I want to see what that is. I'd like to think that Manuel Miranda has enough experience at this point and has been around a number of other sets where he's probably wants to bring a little bit more than just a standard musical quality to it. That's assumption. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it does a terrible job, but I'd like to think he doesn't. So we'll, we'll kind of see what happens. But yes, I'm, I'm writing more on, well, Andrew Garfield makes weird choices. Let's see what that does for me. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, how about you? Yeah, I'm on the same train with you and Marcus where I, I'm curious about Andrew Garfield and what he's going to be doing because he seems to be a guy who's game for a lot of things. He, like, he wants to, he, He's kind of like at a Robert, Robert Pattinson crossroad where he's like, you know, I've made money off Spider-Man. Let me just go do some things that are interesting to me. Because um, he's also making like this weird internet uh, fame movie, which looks interesting because of Andrew Garfield. Um, well, that already came so out. So with this, oh, that already came out. <laughs> it was okay. kind of disowned I'm, by the studio, I think, because it wasn't good. Basically, I think is the, the idea. Yeah. Yeah, that trailer wasn't great. I, w- I wasn't sold on it, but I was just like, Andrew Garfield's very hyped up in this movie, which he's playing a YouTuber. Mainstream, very well. I believe, is the name of it. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't big on it just because it's the, the topic of choice. But in any case, for for Tick, Tick, Boom, I'm just like, it's weird for people to think that, like, 30 is old because, like, when you turn, like, 34, you're just like, 30 was nothing. And, you know, like, in general, I would say that we're going to get this with our main review in just a moment here. But I'm not sure how I feel about Lynn Moran Moran or Lynn. Lynn What's that? hold on i'm not sure how i feel about lynn manuel miranda uh, just yet so i'm curious as to what his directing is going to be sort of what what uh marcus and you were saying which is like you know um he's made a lot of musicals and he's written a lot of songs but he's never directed anything that i'm aware of um so i would be curious to see how he takes this and it just feels like a vehicle for for Lin Manuel Miranda, right? In terms of, well, I had a struggle in New York, and I did all these like Broadway things, and then I finally made it big, and I just want to talk about my anxieties as a performer slash like a creative person, and well, I mean, put the, it all the, the play screen. is like a semi autobiographical thing for the guy, or Jonathan Larson. I mean, yeah, I would not. I mean, every every artistic piece is somewhat autobiographical to some degree, right? So, with all that being said, I'm not sure how I feel about this trailer. Or about this movie, but the trailer is, is uh, semi-effective. All right. So, Tick, Tick, Boom arrives fall on Netflix. Hashtag, here comes the boom. <laughs> 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 All right. So, we've talked about the trailers. Let's move on. Now, let's get to our main review for In the Heights. Let me just listen to my block. It's quiet. Usually the one train's up there screeching. There's so much stuff going on. Just got me thinking about all the people I care about the most. There's a breeze off the Hudson. And just when you think you're sick of living here, the memory floods in. The morning light off the fire escapes. The nights in Bender Park blasting big pun tapes. It's a story of a block that was disappearing once upon a time faraway land called Washington Heights. Who's gonna notice we're going? Say it, so it doesn't disappear. Washington Heights! That should have been some of the trailer for In the Heights. While Hamilton made Lin-Manuel Miranda more of a household name, In the Heights, the stage musical developed by Miranda and Chiara Alegria Hudis, has long been in development for the cinematic treatment. Now it is finally here, with Step Up 2 and 3 slash Crazy Rich Asians director John M. Chu applying his skills to the story of several characters living in Washington Heights at some critical moments they are dealing with in their lives during a week surrounding a blackout. 
Anthony Ramos leads the cast, but there's a colorful ensemble here, all showing off their dance and singing skills while we learn all about this barrio. Marcus, we've already talked a little bit about Lin-Manuel Miranda. Are you a fan of what he does, and what do you think of this film? I'm, I'm, I'm a fan, and I've been, you know, we, you said we've all been waiting for this movie for a long time. I, I think what he does here, as far as, okay, so... There are a couple of storylines here. There's like three different storylines here. They're all pretty strong. They they uh, um, they spotlight a lot of topical political issues for uh, that that a lot of Latinos uh, Latin, and La, Latino immigrants are in the U.S. that are uh, finding themselves in today. Um, these storylines build to uh, highlight or and are highlighted by fantastic performances. We're going to talk about probably the performances later, but Anthony Ramos. I really enjoyed um, the performance of uh, Olga uh, Meredith. Uh, Meredith, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she's really the heart of, of this, uh, a huge chunk of this this movie. Um, John M. Chu, um, it's seemingly a movie that was kind of, the production was kind of made for him. The cinematography for most of the song and dance numbers are handled really well um and with care of the culture but that said i must say for the first hour of this movie i was kind of bored but so so okay so it's a movie of two halves for me. Stick to your guns, this is a movie of two halves for me. I'm trying to so i'm trying not to be all over the place here i'm trying to say okay so it's a movie of two halves all right the first mm-hmm. half was shockingly flat. I think it had pacing problems. I think there was a lack of stakes. I think the songs, the songs were kind of forgettable. Um, and I was being, I was really kind of like, what, what, ha- what is happening here? This is not the Lin Manuel Miranda. This is, you know, there's a, a lot of. I was bored with the delivery, basically. About seventy minutes in, I was shocked when, in the Heights sees uh john uh, john chu uh, just wake up and start flexing on people um starting with the blackout sequence uh pacencia y fe sequence um he doesn't really seem to look back and he gives us kind of like to me it gives us like musical perfection for the last hour and change of this movie uh, where the where that was in the first part of this movie i'll, I'll never know but it's after that it was like rising tides lift all boats because the acting was better the storylines were better the dance sequences were better and the songs were rivaled west side story and i think that's the the point to give like an alternate alternative alternate look than west side story i think that was like his main point going into this i think in the heights is is a movie about acceptance homecoming uh sueñitos and it's told in the cadence that the hip hop cadence Miranda is known for, and it's it, that's enjoyable. Uh, at the end, it's a love letter that I eventually became, um, uh, it eventually exceeded my expectations. But I just that first hour, I don't maybe I watched it on HBO, I uh, maybe fast forwarded a bit. I don't know. Wait, you don't know if you fast forwarded it? <laughs> Are you saying maybe? No, 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 maybe oh, if you maybe watch it, maybe fast forwarded a bit. I don't know. That oh, first hour is, got it. is, is, I don't, I maybe I have to watch it again. But that first hour to me was just flat, and and to say like to go like you should watch this movie, and also to say the first hour is kind of a uh, dud. I don't know. I, I'm gonna recommend the movie, but that first hour is 
I don't want people to go, oh, well, I'm watching this for 45 minutes and Marcus recommended this. <laughs> We're going to publish your Google voice number. <laughs> Anna, how about you? What did you think of In the Heights? All right. So I guess I'll start off explaining something that I was kind of questioning when I began writing my own review. And it was basically, does In the Heights accomplish what it needs to go from stage to screen? Right. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think, of course, play or even trying to get that theater experience um, can be replicated. It's more intimate when you sit, you know, in a theater and in the Heights as a movie. I mean, it's definitely still enjoyable. You do get to see director John M. Chu bring these grand dance numbers like those and step up. Right. And I think watching this a second time with Aaron yesterday was just like he really likes water. (laughs) And so Mm. I'm like. And he does capture that really well with choreography, whether um, it's that pool scene or thinking about the other film, Crazy Rich Asians, where it's that wedding scene in the water. So even it step just, up that two stayed... ends with like a big water. Yes, mm-hmm. with them sl- slamming down, you mm-hmm. know, their hands and legs on the water. So I think seeing that for the second time yesterday in the theater, it it kind of grasped my attention to that. And I'm like, oh, he does really well. Like he knows how to capture all of that. And that's where film has the advantage, right? It has the close-ups. It has the aerial shots. It has all the techniques you can end up seeing, I guess, for film more intimately than you do on the stage. And at the end of the day, I mean, In the Heights, it does have some minor issue or, like, minor weak points. Like, I don't even think he has a name, but Sonny's uh, dad, Mark Anthony's character, who is a new character from the play to the movie. And I feel like, that chunk there is unnecessary and then you have like young Nina that I feel is could be a distraction and those are very minor again but like I feel like that could help tighten up certain things there's but down to the end of it it really is a vibrant heartfelt musical right and the music the acting the choreography are all well done they all work as a unit from my perspective and Definitely, it's strong in that way because a lot of um, Chu and Miranda, they're they're using actors that are from Broadway, or a lot of them are from like the Hamilton cra- um, crew. So you definitely are gonna get like those strong performances throughout. And I'll probably just stop there before we get into more. But there are some differences, of course, too, with the play and the movie. But mm-hmm. I'll let you guys continue talking as we keep diving in. I um I thought this movie is fantastic. It delivered on all fronts for me as far as what I was expecting from it, having not seen the play, but just you know being a fan of this kind of thing from Miranda as well as John M. Chu as far as what I've seen from I mean I've seen all of the movies at this point, but I I I do think in this realm he's very good at this, and the fact that he has like a bigger you know a big studio film to work with to do this kind of thing that's what I wanted to get from him as far as him doing that at his full capacity and i think he delivers pretty excellently uh i I do think the various song and dance numbers are all they're all different from each other they work as far as the amount of like extras and choreography on display different ways of filming them or what have you some are more stylized obviously when it comes to some of the songs um and then there's like a there's a like there's one that's like a one take uh song which is like really well done like it just all that stuff really worked um, I do think this cast is pretty terrific all around. Mm-hmm. I don't disagree mm-hmm. with Marcus or Anna, which we'll talk about. But Olga Maria is she's clearly like the MVP of this movie and has mm-hmm. a show-stopping right. number that, I mean, if, if Hathaway can win in a supporting actress award, I think this 
lines this up for her pretty easily. Um, right. I I do think the the story itself, like there is there's a lot there's not a lot here as far as like an overall plot. There's like storylines, there's arcs for these characters that I appreciated. But like it's not a film where I, you know, say you gotta see in the heights because of how strong the story is. Like that's not really the point. It's more about just like observing this culture and the heritage and what have you to kind of like get across like what this neighborhood means to people in different ways. And, you know, being a play that was, you know, came out a good, you know, ten fifteen good ten, fifteen years ago. And to see it now where it's been like modernized a little bit or what have you. Like it you know, it's playing it's playing around with thing ideas of gentrification, which is not new, but also ideas involving like the dreamers and immigration and stuff like that. So it's like it 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 has a way of like having this sense of relevance, but also just being in its own world is very dreamlike in its presentation of Washington Heights. Um, I'm aware that the play is a bit grittier as far as some of the character relationships and even like certain aspects of the plotting, and that's largely been removed. But it's hard for me to argue with that when. Houdis is the screenwriter of this movie. They wanted to present it a very specific way, and that's what they accomplished. They accomplished something that's fairly optimistic, that's lively and big and colorful. It wants to kind of celebrate the the moment that these people are in, despite minor drama that's occurring or whatnot. So, it, I mean, and Marcus, I mean, you're talking about the first hour being boring. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I think the opening is spectacular. Like everyone has like the best intro in this movie when everyone's introduced for this cast. The that big, the ninety six thousand, the pool sequence, I think, is right. a wonderful. Like, I didn't. That's like a big Buzz. I didn't Berkeley really tribute. care for that. I thought it, yeah, I thought it was, it was <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> I thought it was. I, I thought it could have been done. That uh, that pool sequence left me kind of flat. Like, I was I was waiting. The opening. That's so surprised. There's like five hundred extras dancing around the pool. Like, it's, when, a, it's huge. When, <laughs> so when when uh, uh, the Pacencia y Fuet song comes on. That's when it hits. Boom. That sequence, that entire, like that, I, I don't, it, like you said, she should, she should be up for, for, for a supporting actor, but that sequence is, I've seen, it's the best uh, musical sequence I've seen in, 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 in a decade, I, I would put it. Um, also there's, there's the, the wall scene, but all those scenes are, are later on in the movie. The, the scene, I don't know why it didn't work for me. Well, I really, I really don't. We can they, get into that more as we go, but like, but, I mean, I don't disagree with you as far as that. That's like that, that song, I think, and that number, like, yeah, I think that's a really, that's maybe a highlight of the film for me, but I, yeah. what, you know, I, I wasn't bored. I'm just saying I wasn't bored watching the first half of this. I was intrigued to see more of this as we went along. And yeah, obviously I want to see the second half to see where all this stuff goes, but I, I was, I was in from the get go with this thing because I just felt like it did come alive for me very early on. But overall, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, no, I just I I really like this movie. I, I I can see watching this many times over because I think it does a great job of just presenting all this stuff that it wants to like get out there. But uh, Abe, where where are you with In the Heights? Yeah, I'm I'm kind of like all over the place with In the Heights uh, from everybody on the panel here. I I think overall I think it's good, but I don't think it's great because I think what you're talking about, Aaron, in terms of um, a driving narrative is not really there. Like there's a lot of different characters and they have sort of mini arcs uh, that finish out their storyline, and I think that's really the thing that kind of didn't really keep me into the movie. Which is unfortunate because the songs, the dance numbers, the choreography, the cinematography for them, the production design, the lighting, etc. is excellent in all of these songs and the uh, the dance numbers, right? And so it's kind of a weird thing because 
I actually liked some of the side banter more than the actual lines from the quote-unquote plot. Um, whether that's a side banter from, um, I forget who works with um, Anthony Ramos uh, in the store. Sonny. 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 Yeah, where he's just like, you know, making quips about being taller and, and you know, uh, being a man now and things like that, where those were fun interactions. And I, I don't really think that the... I was thinking about other musicals as I was watching this movie as well, and I think that some of them are not intentionally staged to TV productions, which is probably the reason why they may have worked better. But, you know, I think about like Sing Street or the Muppet movie or uh, Coco, and I was like, these are really good movies that are probably plot first and then they add the songs on perhaps, or maybe they Mm. just did it in tandem. Whereas, you know, I, I understand that it might be difficult to adapt a, a stage play to or a, a stage musical, I should say, to this, the big screen. But there were moments where I, I felt extremely emotionally attached. Um, I mean, like, there's like a dance number toward the end there where they um, where they're uh, showing all of the the different countries that that encompass Washington Heights. And I was like, this is like this is great. You know, like definitely some goosebumps moments. But. As a, as as far as like the the movie goes, and as far as like I guess like the plot goes, I just wasn't really all that sure about like what if there was anything that I was trying to to get out of this. I'm not even talking about from like a deep level, just more of you know I understand that Washington Heights is a neighborhood that you know Aaron mentioned going through gentrification. I've been to Washington Heights. It's a um, it's like a very nice neighborhood in terms of like um, the feel that you get from it, and also when you're walking around <laughs> it at night. Wait, when like, did you go to Washington Heights? <laughs> do you guys not go to New York? <laughs> yeah, it's not nice. <laughs> no, like they've they've changed it. So like over like 192nd or yeah. I'm talking like this is like 90s for me because my dad's family is from Washington Heights, and it's so it's different now. Yeah. Yeah, like, I'm sure it's, now it's different. <laughs> I mean, like I went like in the last like four or five years, so it's it's much different. Like again, it's still it's still trying to hold on. It's weird because it, it mirrors like the the play, right? It's still trying to hold on to um the Latino, Latinx, uh Chicano roots. But, you know, there's definitely like a strong hipster presence there as well, right? Right. But right. um you know, like overall I, I just wasn't I actually really wanted to learn more about some of these characters and kind of dive into their their plot lines more just wasn't really there for me like in particular vanessa's mm-hmm. character right um where it's like she's she actually gets like a larger arc toward the end there but um she kind of like gets like uh, just like this really small arc about her apartment and i was like that's all that she's gonna do like in the rest of this movie is just like be bummed about not getting an apartment i was like oh okay i see now but you know there's just other things that um were there that that could have been expanded on for a movie adaptation. However, I think I agree with Anna too that there's just a je ne sais quoi about a stage production versus a movie. And I certainly feel I felt that way with like Les Mis, uh, where it's like I just I'm not really into this for Les Mis. And I just I it's because I've I've seen stage productions of Les Mis and I felt strongly emotionally attached i just don't know what it is about this movie that just doesn't translate and i was like probably the only dry-eyed person when that movie finished but for in the heights i really like the production value of it i agree with both marcus and aaron that i wouldn't be the first person to tell you to, like spend two and a half hours watching this movie immediately but you know like 
I guess it is what it is, but this is also where I was talking about with Lynn Manuel Miranda, where it's like, I don't know if I'm hit or miss on him in his uh, production. So, you know, like I enjoy his songs in in Moana, but I <laughs> I think I was like okay with um, Hamilton. Like I liked Hamilton quite a bit, but I didn't think that it was, like maybe it was just the, the the Disney Plus experience. So who knows? I think people too are also just getting like this is. Like, Hamilton is, like, the first, really, for everyone to see something from Miranda, right? Where this is something that was his, like, baby and, like, the original author. Because, like, for them, there weren't that many Latinos on Broadway. So Mm -hmm. that's where he's like, you know what? Even, like, I mean, they just did, like, a video on IMDb about, like, you have West Side Story, but the first time they ever see a Puerto Rican is someone who has brown paint and is Greek. And so Mm -hmm. for them, it was like, let's do this stage play and we can get our crew and represent ourselves when it comes to being in the movie like yeah that's where my question was like i like this movie but like i i do question that whole aspect of you you can never it's just like the book you know question too can you adapt a book really well into a, a movie and you're not ever going to get it to that that same experience you, you just won't now what you can do is just you know take it for what it is and you either like it or you don't and saying about like how, because that's definitely a change from the play, right? You do have more emphasis of the sueñitos. And they did that for the film and they thought about the whole immigration stuff. So right. I I get like, it's it's a long movie, right? It's like two hours and what? 20, 20 minutes. 20, which is I think longer than the play. But like, I get it. But like wanting to get more arc and story from other people, it's kind of losing sight of like, okay, let's just look at this film. Yes, you get Vanessa. Yes, you get Nina. You get you get this whole crew, and you get like a fragment of their sueño. But what makes their whole sueño is what you know they end up dedicating for Abuela Claudia, and mm-hmm. it just makes sense to me. I it, I don't feel like I need more Vanessa. Like you get it. Like, and it's also probably like you get it more. Like I talked to Taryn many times before, but I feel like yeah, like everyone from different races can watch this film. But mm-hmm. maybe there's certain experiences that end up pulling for you, like right specifically. I don't have a problem with like diving into those arcs because I understand how Vanessa feels. I've heard other people's stories of like they can't get this apartment, but someone who's wealthy can get this apartment, right. you know. And then, and then Nina, I've had that experience not in college but in high school, where I feel for her dad. And I'm like knowing myself as an adult now, and watching this film with Aaron and my sister the first time. I'm like. Yeah, Nina, like, stop being, like, a little, you know, in a way, like, feeling like everything's on you or whatever. Like, this happens to people before you. Like, her dad is kind of like, I, Miha, like, you know, get back in the boxing ring. Like, it happens to us. It happened to Abuela Claudia. Like, I get that because she's in college and she's have lost has left Washington Heights. And being at Stanford, for her, is that fish-out-of-water experience, right? And... For me, I don't need more of that because I know for myself, again, like I've experienced that in high school where it was like I grew up in a military family. So it was very like bubble like and it wasn't until I got to high school because then it's like in high school, you're not going to school on base. There's not a a high school on base. So going to high school was a total different experience. And there was kids like saying, oh, go back where you came from or what have you. And I remember coming home crying and my mom's like, 
oh, kind of like draw your eye, kind of how like Nina's dad is, because like my mom, she's always been like, like for her, it's always been a thing since she was a kid with her family, even to this present day, where we were just in a store and someone yells to her, go back to Mexico. So like, I feel like you don't, I get it. Like for some people, they may need that expansion, that more arc feeling. But I feel like for myself, you don't need that because you can already get those if you, if you understand, if you've been there, to, right? To, um, to, totally. To, and to, I just wanted to jump in as far as yeah. what story is being told. What I appreciate as far as the narrative goes is that it's not about, it only, you know, it, we watch like a week of these people. There's a, there's some time jumps to get some other right. stuff in there, but it's mainly like a week. And realistically, not much happens in a week in people's lives. And I like that the stakes are fairly low in that regard as far as what people are going through. It's about having conversations about relationships or things that happen that I need to deal with, but not necessarily will get fixed right away. And even the, and right. the film itself doesn't necessarily wrap up every single thing tidily. There are some things that happen as far as people move certain places or what have you, but there's still struggles that they're going to have to face without yeah. without the presence of an antagonist. There's no evil character in this movie. Everyone is fairly reasonable to each other as far as what they're going through. It even has reasons for why they're doing certain things. You talked about, right. you mentioned Nina, Anna, and like... The, she's and she's butting heads with her father, who's played by wonderfully by Jimmy Smith, who yeah, like they they are both coming at things in, for entirely reasonable reasons, right? As far as like yeah, right. Kevin wants her daughter to go to college. Why wouldn't she? She's very smart. She's going to make a, a great thing for herself and her family. That's great. Nina, yeah, she's getting both the discrimination aspect as well as her father is literally going to lose his business to get or be able to send her to college. Like she doesn't. That's a, that's a heavy thing to put on her shoulders, right? And so it's. But neither of them are like necessarily wrong. They just have different perspectives on things. And they got to work. They got to work stuff out. But regardless, the you know the other characters they all have their individual plot lines as well. But like none of them are, you know, none of them are changing the world here in the in the in the week of time that we spend with them. And I I, I appreciated that sure. it has this kind of different quality as, as far as that goes. With the you know and, with the yeah. with with an emphasis being again on just understanding these people in this in this culture that they're living in yeah and I, do, I do want to expand on it it's not an attack on a on on the characters and what they're going through i mean like you know this is not to say like oh i would have liked to see more of this character's arc because i definitely didn't understand it dude i'm from fresno i'm poor as well like i've seen all these storylines <laughs> right like the college storyline is the one that makes sense to me as well right um yeah. it's more of i think that Again, it, it's more of like the adaptation part of it, right? So if you're adapting it from the stage play to the screen, you do have to condense things and or, you know, to some degree, you could tr you could decide to make things different as well. That's kind of all that I'm driving at, which is, oh, I, you know, we could have Bohemian Rhapsody this where it's like, oh, every every turn that you make is, you know, them writing a hit song. It's like, that's not realistic, right? Um, or you could go just like a direct pathway of, of a direct adaptation. So that's kind of like where some of the ingenuity comes into play. And I guess this is probably how the stage play is, where it's like, let's just take all these things, like as, as you guys mentioned, all these sueñitos, um, and going into, and, and kind of like having um, abuela, abuela be the heart of it. And so it's just all these like passing times of all these like five characters that we're, we're following with all these sub characters as well. And I totally get that because it does give you a sense of Washington Heights, people that live there struggles that they're going through but you know like it's unfortunate because it, it just doesn't stay too long on them and aaron i totally get your point too of well you know there's not really much that you can accomplish in a, in a week but 
in not staying there too long, like it kind of just doesn't give me that much momentum. Like, you know, there's a docket uh, discussion and then there's, you find out something about a, a certain character. And I was like, oh, that's totally sucks. But, you know, there's like different avenues that you can accomplish what you need to accomplish as well. Um, and it just, it is what it is. I just wasn't, it's not that I wasn't like happy with it. It's just more of, I wish that they did, you know, focus on one or two subjects even further then, right? Like excite, cut out some of the other things, focus on these things. And, you know, I get that you're not trying to be a political uh, show. However, this is very, these topics are very political. It is. It's very um, political. I so, mean, there's no, there's no, yeah. there's no, I, I'm mis- not saying that it's not. Right. Yeah. I, I'm just saying that like, you know, I wish that it, it maybe went further than what it did. So, so. That's that's fair as far as you come in and you 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 know you get what you want to get out of it and it, you know it does what it does for you. I I can understand that. I can say from an adaptation standpoint, for one thing, like I know the movie like dropped a character and a song, like it's it's condensed if anything. But the 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 I mean, I have well, there's I, multiple songs that were cut and then it also rearranges like the the ordering of the of the I know the order. The I know the, I know the order has been changed, but um, but regardless, from an adaptation standpoint. I'm coming at this with nothing beyond like I know this existed mm-hmm. and now it's a movie. And sure. uh, I, I, I if I wanted to like weigh it against my presumed version of what it would have been like on the stage, that's a way to go. I don't have anything to base it off of, nor do I need to. I watched the movie I watched. That's not to say that you're wrong. That's just more of like the perspective I'm coming at is like I I saw this movie and this is how I no, took I, it. I, and yeah. and yeah, I, and you know, as far as how it leans into certain ideas of or like uh, perspectives of different characters the 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 like plotting aspect of it like it's it just it's like it's not the thing that i'm grasping onto as far as why i appreciate what i did and you you've said yourself already that like yeah, yeah you appreciate the production the costumes the choreography the songs and what like that's the like that's yeah there are definitely chill moments like goosebump inducing moments for sure and for and with that in mind that's that's where I'm putting more of my weight as far as how I'm going to judge this film. Like it's, it seems clear. It just seems clear to me. It was like, yeah, I'm not going to learn more about Sonny's plight to get his green card. Uh, this young aspiring man who wants to lead protests or what have you. Like I got enough of that as far as, okay, that's, that's his deal, but what else is going on here? And I think just the, the, what else is the stuff that I'm just sticking with as far as my appreciation for all this. And that, no, totally. And, and I do want to just briefly say that it's not so much that, why didn't this movie work? It's why didn't this movie work for me? And that's mm-hmm. that's all that I'm get, getting into. So everything you guys are saying like is completely true. You know, I, I agree with everything you guys are saying. But I'm just curious, like, well, why didn't this work for me? Because maybe does, it's just a, a script to screen thing. I don't know. Does this movie suffer from a lack of stakes that were kind of, I mean, realistically in the real world, these stakes are high. But in the, for this movie, the stakes are relatively uh, average until the halfway point, and then the stakes just lift up. Why? Why? That was my whole thing, where it took so long for the stakes to kind of amp up. Because I do think the stakes get high at the mm-hmm. end, in the in the back 
maybe hour and 20 minutes. The stakes get really high because of an event that happens sure. and people have to move relatively quickly and people are doing things relative with the, the money. They need this and they, things are, are, are going to start There's happening. more urgency, um, but I mean, it's not with an exception. It's not life or death here. I mean, it's people that are living lives. Like that's what it comes down to. And the lives are difficult sometimes. Like well, I also think like, yes, the catalyst that happens like during the blackout, it just serves to like, um, I guess, uh, resolve people's people's decisions, like characters' decisions in this movie. And so I think that's why you, there's like a better sense of urgency to some degree of what has to happen. But also the movie is ending uh, as well, right? It's it's on the well, back. The, I mean, it, it's it takes another hour and change to end. Right. But right. The, for that, for that. I think that's the midpoint. That 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 for me was I almost wish it would have come sooner. And so I would have been like, okay, stakes are high. Let's get this going. People are actually walking. We're talking about abandonment and we're talking about uh 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 things are ending and things are coming to an end and people are separating and the abandonment of Washington Heights for uh this gentrification for the community that's coming in um and everything like that versus a story that beforehand was it was it was kind of b-side gentrification it was yeah uh, there's a lot of real world implications here um with discrimination at school feeling like an outsider especially Mm -hmm. if you go to a school that's far away or a school that has you don't see a lot of your community in um or being away from your family um where you've grown up and and you feel like you've turned your back on the language or the family or whatever um i I gotta say this movie adds a lot of points to your berkeley versus stanford argument also by the way i mean like exactly (laughs) stanford is the worst that's that's what i text my friends after this movie there we go that's what i was why everyone who goes to stanford like just like what a gross university A two and a half hour bashing on Stanford. We're, uh, yeah, we're focused. Let, let, let's move. Let's shift our focus a bit as far as the, the yeah. narrative goes. Talk about some of the things that I think we all very much appreciate about the film. Yeah. Uh, totally. And we, we've talked about some of the performances already. I and mean, we've, we've spotlighted uh, Olga Marita's. But let's, let, let's talk about it a little more. Anna, where, where are you with some of these like performances, specifically with, uh, with Abuela Claudia? Okay, so definitely... I would say have the same um, chime of like how, so I think I even wrote, I put how Abuela Claudia is the corazón of In the Heights, like mm-hmm. hands down. Um, and for her, like her story, like everything about like um, her just definitely stands out for me the most. And I feel like without her, there wouldn't be the other aspirations for the other characters to see their dreams come true. Because I think that's kind of like their they're kind of stuck in the mud for a second because they all have these different dreams, but they don't have anything that pushes them further until like, you know, yeah, something significant place takes place. And so after that, it definitely creates a stronger bond within the, within the barrio and they dedicate then their struggle for their accomplishments as a community and it helps them push through life. And of course that's mostly well done scene with her, her own performance of Paciencia y Fe and like talk, Marcus had talked about, like that honestly is probably like the best in the whole film, right? The best performance, mm-hmm. the best song. There's just so much meaning to that, and it it just goes back to like how Nina's dad, like yeah, like you know you're gonna have get some bruises and like 
he wants her to stay in the boxing ring is like what he says towards the end to like stay in that boxing ring because it's going to be a struggle. It's going to be hard. And I think that's where it comes with a narrative of like, see, when it gets to the play, it's more about, about the gentrification. And I feel like the movie moves away from that because we all know that happens throughout, like whether it's out on the West, the East, wherever it is, like that is already something. And even is it Nina is it Rosario? Where, like, he even comments, like, you know, Benny ends up seeing him, like, selling, you know, his company, but his, but he ends up talking about, like, you know, he had, like, an Irish family used to be there, because that's, Washington Heights was, you know, very Irish, Polish, Jewish, like, community, and then it started getting into the whole Dominicans and Puerto Ricans lifestyle, and then now, as Abe has discussed, like, where it's, like, more hipsterish, so it's kind of going through the phases, so you don't really have to touch bases really much on that, and where the story is really just kind of dedicating to, yes, we have like these fragment stories or fragment dreams, but they come in as a whole, you know, to um, just about making it a better life. And I think that's where Abuela Claudia comes in as the strongest and helps all these other other characters kind of realize that. Like they probably didn't really realize it before. They just are going through their own struggles, but then they really realize it with that performance. Yeah, oh, Jimmy, okay. we talked about it very quickly. Jimmy Smith, I think he's yeah. great in this movie. Like, yeah. And I'm, I'm typically not like a Jimmy Smith guy um, because, you know, sometimes he's just like, let me read these lines in a very, like, hard tone of voice kind of way, like the way he does it in Dexter. Um, but in this one, I was like, oh, he's actually got, like, depth to him. They gave him, like, oh, he's proud, but then he's also upset. When that dinner scene happens, he tells everyone to, to get the fuck out. And I was like, this is great. Jimmy Smith's bringing it uh, to the game here. I will say I'm I'm very, I'm very yeah. pro Smith and against this horrible yeah. slander you're throwing against him right now. As far as what he typically <laughs> brings to things, he's constantly great, and I'm just very he happy. He is constantly great. I'm just, I just happy you know, he has this role playing, right here. Like tall guy with authority voice, and then I was like, oh, this is like a dad that's just like uh, upset and stressing out and everything like that. He's very Edward James almost. He has that very like uh, uh-huh. patriarchy patriarchal quality when he steps into the room oh this is the he we know he's the father he's the one in charge he's the the the, the all eyes are on him he's he's making the decisions and there's a in every scene there's a pay and i know he's mm-hmm. like he's not in this film nearly as much as other people but like there's a pathos to him just in his eyes that i really appreciate yeah. i think he really sticks out here where he seems like a guy that that is stressing out constantly because it's like how do i keep everything going it, it, that seems mm-hmm. that seems very clear in his face when he's talking with Usnavi or talking with Nina. Just like he's been up all night trying to like make the make the numbers work to keep his business right. going, and he doesn't know how. Like that, mm-hmm. it, just, it, it just registers to me like that's what this man is going through, and I thought that was just great to watch on yeah. him. I, I think right. I also like the the combination trio whenever they're on screen together. The salon ladies. No, they they were fun yeah. too, especially like the mannequins that that uh, the the heads. You said trio. I thought you meant like the, the, them specific because they're like. No, they're, I'm like, talking about Anthony chorus. Ramos, uh, uh, Gregory Diaz, and um, Corey Hawkins. Oh yeah, they're when they're like on screen together. It's it's very like they they talk about like goofy nonsense stuff, and I was like, yeah, this is fun. Um, until they until they talk about serious things. Corey but, Hawkins you know, is like, Corey Hawkins like Corey's good here. He has he has, he also has not as much to do compared to some characters, but when he's on, he's just doing a great job. Yeah. Like he's he, he he's mixing it up as far as the song styles. I think he gets a lot of different like variety of things to do. Um, and like we've been seeing him since what Straight Outta Compton at this point. I know he's been he was like a right. stage trained right. actor, and he, but he broke out into movies. But like he's doing his work. Like I I really like what he right. does here. 
Yeah. Obviously, Anthony Ramos, who's like, you know, the, the ostensibly the lead of this film, I think, I, you know, he, he's been break, he's been popping up in films lately as well. And I, I do think he has a, a, a strong sense of charisma to him that I think really, you know, helps guide the film as far as giving, you know, a kind of a through line. I think he's, he's very warm and friendly. You can see why he'd be, you know, nice as the bodega guy that everyone knows and likes because he makes some great comic and leche. Like, that's great. Like, right. I, I think he's a good job there. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's very uh, good, and my first exposure to him because I hadn't seen Hamilton at that point was um, A Star Is Born. I was like, okay, this guy is interesting. Like, I guess he's just like the side character guy. I was like, oh no, he's super talented. So yeah, uh, it, it's great to see him there. Uh, uh, some cameos from uh, Lin Manuel himself um, as the uh, uh, Piragua guy. Uh, so interesting to see him there. He's and also he's fun for like he seems like he's spoofing himself. At this point, he's like, I yes. got in this. Like, I, <laughs> but I also got mad at him. I was like, you just ruined that kid's ice cream. No return. No return to that kid's ice cream. He just, <laughs> just ruined ice cream. It, it's, it's not as though, like, oh, uh, let me give you a piragua. It's like, no, I just, like, throw some fucking concentrated cherry juice on your sauce. I think he made it better. I think he's going to taste that ice cream and be like, oh, this, is, yes, this has got that, better. That kid did not look pleased. At first, Those until he takes a bite out of it, then he's like, okay, I shouldn't have bitten my ice cream because that's weird. But yes, it's great. Yeah, it's like if you got, like, strawberry nest quick liquid and you poured on your ice cream. Like... Claire, yeah, we didn't see his reaction thing. after he took a... He took a did, you guys, did you guys stay until the end after the credits, by the way? Yes. Yeah, it, it fulfills this very important arc. So I was very happy with this. <laughs> Yeah. Is that when the is that when the Transformers come out? Yeah, it's when the Transformers yes. come out. Yeah, uh, <sighs> Bumblebee shows up. <laughs> let's let's talk about some of these musical hard. numbers, which Marcus is apparently terrible about as far as the pool scene goes. But like, are we? <laughs> <laughs> There's this. They were fine. I just, uh, you know, everything before that first hour was. I I would have much rather seen a uh, step up too, than. <laughs> <laughs> it was like this is the guy that did step up too like i'm kind of not as impressed in i was like this is gonna be a water scene wow and i was like oh it's, yeah it's fine it's cool it's probably it's well around. you know staged hey where are you on all around. these where would you think about the visual numbers? <laughs> i i enjoyed some more than others right and i actually enjoyed when they uh hang on this truck rolling by i hope you guys in here but i enjoyed when there's visuals as well as like accented like embellished visuals and what i'm talking about like when anthony ramos Corey hawkins in ninety six thousand. no and, and they're 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 walking to the pool and they yeah, have that's 96, their face when they're like is it ninety six thousand? yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. where they're like doing things with their hands and it's like it's showing up on the screen i was like that's clever and then i also like when vanessa has her like running away song and you just see fabric like on, on the walls and in the sky and kind of just, like her chasing her dream kind of thing so yeah i i did like this i had no real problems with them marcus like some of them i just like well this is a I really they good were fine. commercial yeah because they were fine they were yeah, fine like, it was, it was yeah, fine i i think that, like, there there were some elements where i was like yeah i i this would have played better if it was a part of something else um meaning like it's a part of the whole because right. there's some great night sequences where they have like the fireworks and like the flares um and the sparklers and i was like this is a cool sequence it would have been cool if it was part of a song but you know but everything after that fight that the fire that everything after that is great all the sequences work all the dance sequences work all everything is yeah i mean i i talked about yeah i talked about that 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 sequence toward the end where they're just basically having the um i want to get it right 
Well, there's, well, there's Carnival de Barrio where they're all. Yeah, Carnival de Barrio. That's brilliant. Where, yeah. Yeah, I was like, this is a great sequence, especially like the way they shot it too, where it, you know, camera cut and you're heading to like a different country. Um, that's like definitely chill moments, right? Where it's like, this is, I get this part, you know, I really, and maybe, maybe I'm, I'm with Marcus more so than anything else where it's like, I get the second half of this because it, it feels much more pulling at me emotionally. And I, I totally embrace it much more because, you know, when, I, when I'm looking at that, where it's like, this is Washington Heights, this is like the Puerto Ricans, the Dominicans, the, uh, Cubans, the Mexicans, et cetera. It's like, this is, this is the richness that. I really enjoy and you know to the casting part too i love that this is a super this is like the cast you know like they were they had an eye toward let's bring in some of the guys that did the stage play but also like such a diversity in body shape body size color etc it was fantastic um yeah. and that's what i really appreciate like that's like my largest takeaway of this movie is yeah. like i love it because of of the representation on the screen and it really does matter like yeah but yeah i mean like that scenes like that in particular i feel really uh answer west side story it's really them going you saw west side story this is this is what's really happening this is what's really going on and we're gonna kind of do our own little west side so you have some sequence that look very similar to setups in West Side Story, but they're just like, we're going to do it in a more authentic way. This is how it's really done. Let me show you how it's really And so I super appreciate it. And that's where all the kind of love and the the really the, the cultural kind of everything comes together for me. Um, mm-hmm. In those, la- in, the, in, the, in the sequences past uh, the fireworks, so past the blackout sequences. Anna, were there uh, musical numbers that you appreciated? Well, of course, we've already said um, the Patience and Faith one, and I think Blackout, I mean, I'm very, I like, the thing about this, too, is, like, I like how Lin-Manuel Miranda does his, like, style of, like, he just, he's very masterful at wordplay, and so the repetitiveness of things and, like, the Blackout, Blackout, just, like, how it cuts and everything, I feel like the sound editing in this whole film is is great, because it's, it's all these voices, all these different, um, feelings just coming together simultaneously but then as one and so yeah i mean you guys keep talking about the pool thing but i'm gonna just kind of go quickly about just saying how the film too is kind of like it it showcases like classic elements of musicals mm-hmm. i mean like incorporating mm-hmm. the salon women i mean you can kind of see them as you know the greek chorus not a lot but a little sure. bit because yeah. they're always together they're it's always a three That's right kind of their function yeah. and then yeah. And then, like, yeah, I mean, you can kind of think of, like, Little Shop of Horrors. Like, it's, it's, exactly, it's not total yeah. that, right? But it's similar. Yeah, there's more development and, on them compared to other chorus-based things. But, yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Right. And perhaps that could have been something that could help for those who are not, like, really maybe able. Like, that could help with the narrative if it was, if it was more of them creating the story. Because this whole framing device of, like, Yusnavi um, telling the kids the story, his story... It's not in the play, you know. They did that framing device for the film, and so I that's mean, that's a very clever way to 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 reframe it on it. That's just right? a, like, a great point. I feel like that probably would help with like what you've been talking about. Like I've just been sitting here trying to think, and I'm like, maybe that would have helped. Like mm-hmm. in a way, I'm not saying either. You know, like the framing device that it's used, they use in this film is bad, but like maybe that would have just helped, or they could have had a combination of the two. 
Um, that whole pool scene has definitely been noted as like a big Busby Berkeley number. And then, of course, there's notations of Nina and Benny stance uh, on the, the building side as a, a Fred and Ginger, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, so I mean, I like their what song is that? I'm trying when to the sun goes down. Yeah, I I like that. It's very tender. It's very sweet. Yes. And so I I mean I feel like that'd be my like Paciencia Fe is my favorite because of the emotional backdrop of it all and like what is this meaning for this character? But then when the sun goes down, it's just it's a very again sweetness to it that it just makes you want to like listen to it <laughs> over mm-hmm. and over again. I- and yeah, go ahead. I'll just say, like, that's that moment that was in the initial trailer, that's what caught me as far as why I really want to see this. Like, I was already interested just because, like, I was feeling the rhythm of it and everything, and like, all right, yeah, cool, and the heist making a movie. But, like, there's a clip of that, mm-hmm. that bit where, like, she just, like, dips over the side of the building. It's like, okay, so there's going to be some, like, some, like, magical realism going on here. And, like, that's that's what I could use in these musicals, something that, like, heightens this. If we're already, no, sure. Mm-hmm. Like, if we're going to already get, like, this movie that's giving you a neighborhood that's, you know, presented in a, you know, a colorful and lively manner, go for yeah. it. Go for it. And that's and, exactly and it. I, and I, yeah. and AB pointed out, too, like, in 96,000, when they have, when they're, like, yeah, making the hand symbols and stuff, and it's coming up on screen. Or even, like, early on, Anna, think... Anna, you mentioned this in your review, like, when Usnavi um spins the manhole cover like a dj like it's the like little things like oh, that yeah. throughout i think is just really fun and like that's yeah. it's it's why it's like the stuff that i'm down on the stuff i'm down on i do think the framing device is superfluous i think the i, I think the i think there could have been more edge to this not that i needed this to like not be this chipper sure fun thing it has its share drop but like mm-hmm. having that big you know entirely encapsulating that in a cameo by mark anthony it's like okay that's a choice i guess but like if you want to go darker <laughs> like go a, little, go a little darker like that's so it's like but regardless i'll finish my sentence those those, those things yeah. aside i it's all of this other stuff that i just like i appreciated more than the flaws that i found in this thing so it's overall yeah. it just mm-hmm. makes it work yeah. for mm-hmm. me you're right yeah, and and not to beat a dead horse, it's just what you yeah. said there. It's like it's more of just when you're doing a, an adaptation like this, like what could you not do on the stage play that you could do here? Uh-huh. And yeah. exactly like mm-hmm. you're the DJing thing, like with his, you know, he's wearing Tim's, which is great, but then you know just like <laughs> gum on the shoe, and then it's the guy spraying the hose. I was like, this is are cool. they or are they Nikes? Nah, they're definitely Tim's. <laughs> it looks like that's what I thought. Abe shoes Mua knows it. what he's talking about here. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, 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 Vanessa's wearing Nikes, which are cool, but and, no, and but I that's all like that I wanted to mention. <laughs> but watching it the second time yesterday, I forgot to even tell Aaron. I'm like, I thought there were Timberlands, but then like I was really looking at the shoe yesterday, and I'm like, is it a Nike swoosh on the side? And it's just that nice, you know, that cream color, but it blends in. Could have been. I think they're Nikes. I well, think the, the first eight Nikes. minutes are available online. You can watch it as many yeah. times as you want. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. But yeah, you're right, Aaron. Cause like I, I did, I remember I totally forgot about that, but like that's, that's the thing that was popped out for me too. Like that whole, you just think of how a DJ uses his, you know, hand and scratch the record. And it's like, he does that with the shoe and the gum and it's, and you get the track and it's like stops. It's just really neat. And maybe, if that was more developed throughout too, right? And having this Greek chorus, like maybe that would help balance out the things that both you and uh, Marcus are like, you know, kind of chiming on. But yeah, like or even how Aaron's saying about this whole dance sequence on the on the building, like that is what's neat about this film, like going in that direction. And it's yeah. like, yeah, you have the chance, right? 
like that was another thing I was writing about is like you get to have yeah, you don't have to stop with this film. is your shot in the heights yeah no you really, <laughs> you have you get the you get the power of cinematography so you can right. go up and down you can go into narrow places like I think that's what's nice too because you don't get to see this food that we see when they all gather at at the at the house of Abuela Claudia like you wouldn't get to see that while you're sitting in a theater like but when you see it as a film you get to go into those places and if you're using the cinematography correctly enough you know and it just brings more richness to it, I think. Yeah, it's that and texture. that's what yeah, it's that extra layer. Yeah, and that's what that's what film has has for it. Film right. definitely exactly. if you can use the cinematography, it's gonna make that whole like all these elements, right? Story, actors, what have you, and even cinematography, but like when you're doing this adapt adaptation from a play, it's like use that technique. There's yeah. so many cinematic techniques you can go with this and just go for it because you, yeah. you don't get to see that when you're in the play and they totally around. use it for product placement for coca-cola exactly and a tide and <laughs> you, you know, so unilever like, got it yeah yes and the nikes because yeah definitely it, the shoes yes yeah you definitely that is specific so, to them like that's, that's like and parrot parrot brand coconut water and, and <laughs> you got the frosted flakes in the background and the bodega <laughs> Like, it's true. Like, you end up yeah. having the cinematography hit or, you know, kind of set on different things where it could have been doing so much more. And, yeah, and you know, I, I will say that there are things that it does with it, right? And, mm -hmm. you know, we're talking about, like, that number um, toward the end there where it cuts, you know, from country to country in terms of, like, their dance styles. I don't think you can really do that, like, on the on the stage play unless, like, you're playing with lights maybe. Uh, but mm -hmm. anyway, like, yeah, I definitely agree with you guys there. I, I think that, like, the other thing that I want to just uh, also confirm with everybody here is, like, I agree, Aaron, you mentioned this, and I, I just have to uh, echo it. This is a positive movie. Yeah. That's all that it is. Yeah. And that's um, the best thing about it, right? Like, minus, like, some... some there's, yeah, there's drama There's drama in it, yes. but yes, right. overall, right. it but wants overall, to... But overall, like, yeah. you know, it, it's not... So that's why I'm, like, I'm not super down on it, because, like, oh, well, it's not realistic at all. It's like, no, this just, like, hey, man, this is what happens in my neighborhood. I want to talk about it. There's, like, things that are tough, but we're going to get through it. And also, like, we'll sing along the way. Um, and that's, like, the vibrancy of it. Which is why I'm like, you know, like I that if you're proud of like where you're from and if you're proud of like um, being able to like make it and you just want to throw back to the community that made you fantastic. You know what I mean? Well, that's I mean, and you know what to add on to that, not to cut you off, Aaron, fine, but like fine. just adding just adding is to what Abe and what you've been saying about the positive of it. I feel like them coming in, they're like, you know what? And it's it's across the board. And I talked to Aaron about the stereotypes are real. But I feel like for them making this film, it's like, let's make a positive representation, right? Because you always see negative representation or the stereotypes come up in TV shows as drug cartel, drug cartel, which, I mean, it is a real thing. Don't get me wrong. But, like, they're not going to add that in here and, like, you know, someone selling drugs on the side of the street. And other than, like, kidding Ant or Mark Anthony as a deadbeat father, like, that's, that's the only gritty type of thing you really do get for, like, a, a second. But, like, sure. I feel like you don't that's not what they're trying to go for they're just trying to showcase here's this group of people and let's let's show them in a positive light and how hard working they go or even like with Abuela Claudia having to you know the whole thing of just cleaning homes and that they they're the whole opening is dedicated to showing these people aren't just you know sitting around they go to work 
you know, they go and hustle. They, they're going off to school. They're going off to wherever they need to go. And they're not really representing them as, you know, the drug dealers. And again, I mean, those, those people do exist within the community as well, but that's just not what they were trying to go for. Mm -hmm. And I think what hit my head too was just like, when I was thinking about like, oh man, Washington Heights, when I remember seeing it, it was like super gritty. Like it was filthy and there's cars like packed on the street going down to 42nd street. Like in the movie, you don't really see that much traffic <laughs> on the road. Yeah, yeah you, but, got, you got girls and, running all willy nilly with fabric coming down the buildings. Yeah, there's no time. I know. I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I, mean, I told Aaron, like, from my own experience going there earlier in the 90s, you know, 2001, I think it's the last time we were, were over there. Whereas, like, my parents would not let me, you know, walk out from my grandparents' apartment and walk down the street by myself. Like, that was not a thing. I told Aaron, like, we were eating. Like, in 2018. So, yeah, no, I'm feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's way different. But I'm just saying, like, I don't know where the movie is trying to show. Is it trying to show that older Washington Heights, or is it showing? Well, it's clearly trying to thing. be a they modern thing, but also. Yeah, because they're not really diving into the whole gentrification. Like, that's not really what the story is trying to be. But um, I mean, it's it, it's the, like it's not not there. I mean, it's like pe yeah, people are literally moving. You know, like the like Kevin's losing his the salon ladies. They're losing their or they're moving their so like they're they're all right. getting bought out. Like it's there. I mean, yes, it's not the prime storyline as far as you know. The this movie concerns like the way people are moving in on their on, and taking over everything. But I mean, it's it's not a it's not underrepresented as far as that being a thing that's changing no, the community no, no. they live in. So what I'm trying to say too is just like with all of that, like watching this film, especially a second time, and like when I was writing my room, like you know what, you can't think those ways because it's in a way think of it as a dream, right? Like it's uh -huh. not even realistic. This is not real life. So it's just something that it's in hopes for. You know? And I mean that's kind of how I was seeing it. But another thing I was gonna add is like the whole thing. I know we didn't touch all the basis of the um, characters, but like. Pete reminds me of like that character from Beat Street, like the one that just goes tagging or is it Ramo? <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, that's interesting, because like you you need someone like that. I mean, it's New York, of course, someone's always tagging certain areas, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I'm glad that and you so... didn't just like get kicked off the screen after ninety six thousand. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, dude, this guy's right? cool. <laughs> yeah, like he's he's just that he's that character that made me think of like. Again, in Beach Street. He's, or... he's by default the most evil character in the film. <laughs> yeah, he just shows up randomly. He's like Lucifer. Um, I do want to ask you guys, like, uh, in terms of, like, um, any nitpicks you guys might have had. Uh, I, I've got, like, a couple, but just curious if you guys have any. And they're not even, like, real nitpicks. I think Aaron and I both agree with it's Mark Anthony's characters one. Right? It's just, like, a, he shows up for one scene. He shows up for one scene, and then he's, you know, on the credits and you know he's on the credits because they pull a DJ Khaled. It's like, Mark Anthony, get in the scene, and start singing. And, and it's like, all right. That's basically my main nitpick, too. I was like, you have Mark Anthony in the movie, and he doesn't sing? And then I'm like, the credits were rolling. And I was like, I guess he doesn't get a song. And like, and here's Mark <laughs> Anthony. I was like, oh, okay, so he's got two bars. And I just wonder, like, is this, is this like a power move to cast him in a cameo like this? Is like, is does he have that presence where it's like, oh, Mark Anthony showed up. We all got to shut up. He's huge. He's huge. Yeah. I don't know, if, but if, if they had Jay Balvin in here, I'd be like, okay, this movie's going over. The top. It just it felt like it felt like Brad Pitt showing up in Twelve Years a Slave. Like, okay, like you're you're. I, 
the, the good thing is like is that uh, Mark Anthony's not not uh, here to save everybody though. Like twelve, like uh, Brad Pitt in twelve years. That'd be yeah. That'd be all right. yeah. Mark Anthony rolls it. He's like, okay, I'm I'm gonna stop making deadbeat dad. By the I'm way, gonna, yeah, I'm gonna clean up, take care of my kid. By the way, I've been hoarding multiple lottery tickets at all one. So we're all billionaires, guys. Let's go home. <laughs> right. You know what? Maybe it it kind of showcases how like I mean yeah he's you know that just forget me character type of thing but it kind of delves into like he really doesn't really care about Sonny right his own son and so you get Yusnavi who comes in and he you know given what happens with Abuela Cotty like he becomes like Abuela Cotty in a way right he's going to be the one that looks out for the community and so him also being his cousin like he's gonna look out for him Right. It's not like, the it's not the purpose it's not going. the it's purpose just... of Mark Anthony that bothers me. Like that's good. Just, I get that. It's just, just more him being there. It just feels like it's distracting. It's like I'm less thinking about the fact that he sucks as a dad, and I'm more thinking, is that Mark Anthony? How's he doing? Yes. Yeah. He's so, skinny. So What's that, going on that, with that him? was <laughs> like that was my whole thing too. I think I spent more time uh, going, is that Mark? An- is that? And then once I figured it out, the scene was over. So yeah. But, yeah. 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 It's I, not. I, it's I, not. It's not. And then I was like, oh, yeah, those are his tattoos. Like, I, I have lit- the, thing, the other thing I thought was like, man, Mark Anthony got really skinny. Yeah, he's, he's thin. Right? That That's it. He's always been kind of, like he's always been a pretty hands. thin guy. Like, he's always been like a, a thin guy, but it's like, is he just getting old and skinny? That, but well, that's it. I, I, I went, and I wouldn't doubt that there's like maybe like a deleted scene. It just seems like he should have popped up like two or three times so you can get this kind of idea more of what this means. Cause it just and like, give me a live Mark Anthony dancing number. <laughs> I think that scene was super effective. I, 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 do, I don't. Do, think... I, I agree it's effective. What? I, just, I, I agree. Wait, it's effective wait, in terms wait, of... wait, wait. He was. How is it? How is it effective? Because because it, he's he's not just. I get. I got so much out of that. I got that he was scared for his son. He's not. He's not. Uh, the dead. Dead. I think it was really complex. And it's in the few lines that he gets, he goes, "What do you think?" Or what we or whatever he says. Um. When we come to find out what this actually means and his, you know, the son's undocumented and all that, we go, oh, he's scared for his son. He, he's, he's uncertain. This is where all of his anxieties, all of this drinking may stem from. This is, yeah, it's, he, it's, I think it was a super. It's less, it's less about deadbeat. It's just more he's broken. That's what it. But it, and it's, as far as mm-hmm. effective, I think it's effective because of yes, the placement it has in terms of who, who he is to Sonny versus who it was Navi is for Sonny, but also. It's a moment for the film to be like, by the way, in the middle of all this colorful fun and games that we're having, there's there's reality here. And that's what the that yeah. scene shows that there's reality. It's just right. well, on, to, on, top, on top of all that, it's just the fact that if it wasn't like if Mark Anthony wasn't distracting me with his presence, I might have felt even more. Right. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Should have been somebody else. Maybe. Well, see, I, I guess I, that's the problem for me, because it's like, well, you're making this a whole dream thing. And it's positive, positive, And then you do get that little glimpse of your dream like when you wake up and like here's reality but it's like like i was saying it's not even in the play they just added it in there so i feel like you can just take it out altogether like you really I don't think, need that yeah but there's a few dark moments in this so i don't think it was super yeah. like off to itself well, i think the, the scene was so short and he's in it for two seconds but there's multiple well, dark saying, like, scenes it, it, in the movie that, that are and that's are why really that's why they're nitpicks like minor nitpicks. that's why yeah, that's why i'm saying yeah. if, they, if you if you have mark anthony popped up like two or three not even for huge scenes but just like a couple more times to kind of uh, right. this running thread of like by the way you know not everything's fun in games I think that might, you know, that might have helped a little bit. Funding games yeah. are over. That with or, that, with or that... if you have him, like, you know, uh, switch back and forth with the Piragua character, <laughs> then, yeah, it's like, oh, he's just, he's the magical guy in the neighborhood. 
Yeah, that'd go over well with the whites. Um, the, other, the other nitpick that I had, last nitpick, not enough eating in the movie. Because the food, like Anna mentioned, looks amazing. Not enough scenes of eating. That's my other nitpick of this. I mean, you see that flan that's right there on the counter, and you don't even see anyone eat it. And it's <laughs> you know, Anthony, Anthony uh-huh. works at a bodega, and they've got like you know fucking like uh, uh, chopped cheese. You know what? Are, what are we eating here? Well, because like because so. Kevin also says get out of my house before they really are able to finish their dinner. Like, I know, like, yeah, <laughs> but they they should have at least like had a great festive scene of them eating that food, which looked great. But other scenes in the movie, it's like not enough eating. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, okay. they're all dancing. They're all yeah, gotta, gotta, gotta watch. Yeah, it. I, said, gotta... I think <laughs> they either they're they either eat or dance, and I, you know, <laughs> I I will <laughs> to 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 go to jump back a second for the the glimpse of reality thing. Something I always like in a musical <laughs> is when there's musicals hap like there's musical numbers happening, but characters aren't there and they overhear it and they're like. Oh, let me get out of real life for a second to jump into this spontaneous <laughs> singing dance going on. Because there's a couple spots where like, where like uh, Uznavi is walking around during the uh, the Carnival de Barrio song, and he like hears it in the distance, like what's going on over there, and he like walks in, he's like, oh, okay, let me let me jump in and jump in. We had some bars to this song right now, or like, or even hey. like the kid looking at them dancing outside his window is like, what's happening out there? Like, there's just like that's I, that makes things that enhances the stuff that I'm already liking the the, the musical right. numbers because it's like yeah all right it's like here's a callback Abe it's like watching Brick and being like here's the mom scene where it's like you know not everybody talks in noir dialogues yeah. <laughs> some, some people were just a, like yeah, that's a great point where it's like it just forces reality it, back into you it just like, gives you like yeah these are high school kids that live at home yeah it, there's just like touches like that that I that I appreciate but by, by the way Marcus like I don't think you're wrong as far as the emotional stakes of the film increase. Um, when when during like uh, when Claudia's like big number, like I mm-hmm. that was a moment where I didn't know I was going to get that emotionally involved in the film before that happened, and it's okay. and from and from there that point on, yes, like the the way I'm feeling feels different compared to the what preceded before, which is you know right. lighter. I still liked what I was seeing a lot before because yeah. I just appreciate those numbers and what they're doing think, and everything. But like I think without that weight. In the first half, it really, really flirts with melodrama. And that was a shame to me because I go, okay, there's really things happening here. There's, you know, people getting denied apartments and there's people having a real anxiety is about telling, you know, that's a big thing. I've seen it happen. Yeah. And and it just felt a shame that it was kind of getting flirty with this melodrama stuff and, I, and, and, and whatever. But when that when that scene happened, everything after that gained a lot of weight. Even if it was a, a celebration, I would describe this movie as an entire celebration. Even if that back half was a celebration, there was weight to this celebration. There was there was a, a, a it was coming to an end. Things were happening. These were going to come to an end or result. I also I just don't think that's unlike many musicals or films like this. As far as yeah, you get the sunny representation of something for the most part. No pun. Uh, but and then yeah, by the way there actually is drama that affects these people's lives. I mean, right. that, that applies to I, musicals. It applies to biopics. Sure. Like, yeah, things. I totally, yeah. I totally I, understand that. But for me, it lasted a hundred and it lasted an hour and 10 minutes. Fair enough. Yeah. That was my yeah. problem. That was my problem. That was, that <laughs> was, uh, so you know, my, my other contribution to that sooner. scene is, um, aside from it being great and, and well shot, great use of the, uh, the subway museum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it like, looks oh, great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> looks great they she's just like running on the platform going into car to car and uh this is a great use of that of that uh, it's museum. a great number that, that, that whole thing is a great that whole thing is so and it's just it draws you in because it's like 
especially well, the visual parallel i mean the visual the visual uh, metaphor too is like yeah i get it it does and it's like but it's like it catches you off guard as far as its placement whereas like i have an idea of what this is doing and then it goes to a certain place and then you're thinking about like the reality that's going on at the same time where it's like well this is happening at the same time like all the people she cares and she cares about everybody but like the main people she cares about they're all in the other room like having you know mm-hmm. having a good time and she's getting to right. see that in these moments and it's just it, right. it hits you it hits you in a way where it's right. like okay. she accomplished everything she needed to accomplish which is another sad uh sad uh thing about it right so it's and like finality and it's good that it's like i feel like where it's placed because in the, in the play it's earlier on so like yeah, if that's something that, that ha- helped it uh, i definitely hear what you're saying there marcus yeah I mean, like maybe that would have helped catapult it more for you guys but, but. okay so there there's there's that there was a scene that we're talking about right mm-hmm. i for two seconds i was like oh no how are they gonna do this is this movie's been flirting with melodrama and this is a serious moment that i don't i want to be taken seriously and i go oh no is it gonna be like this this kind of soft thing that and they just hit it hard and hit me in the face and raised everything up and i was really like where did this come from i'm really in this is really hitting me and i'm really mm-hmm. emotional with this but mm-hmm. for that one second i said oh no there's a scene here that's going to be treated like all the other scenes beforehand and i just didn't want that to happen but it didn't but i i feel like that's because it came an hour and 10 minutes into the movie right. and not 40 minutes into the movie. But I think... That's what I would have wanted to. I I do think for a film, it works better being later because you have enough chance... I mean, not for Marcus, apparently, but I think for, (laughs) for, for, for a film, you get a good amount of time... Emotional. You get a good amount of time you know, feeling good about these people and wanting to know about them before you get into heavier topics. And I use that... I, I, I feel that way because I look at something like Les Mis where on stage, yeah, it makes sense in terms of how things play out. In the movie... Once she dies, it gets really dramatic. Yet the film still tries to like have fun every now and then. It's like, well, I don't like this is I don't need the like. It's that that movie didn't work for me because of those things. Because because it like it gave you so much heavy weight to deal with fairly early. Where I think that works better in a stage play versus a movie where it's like now we have Sasha Baron Cohen and Carter like having this jaunty song after this horrible it's like i it's still all over the place let alone i think there's other problems with that movie but i mean mm-hmm. here i think it <laughs> but les mis is not a i don't know it's not a happy play but a, i do think it's it, an overall but celebration but, but it but that play it stacks the deck on you so hard early on and yeah. if you're going to adapt even that, the sasha baron cohen stuff it, is not a happy song. no it isn't but it's still when like the, the tone of it is obviously different than you know right the, the, okay. the i dream a dream going on but, right, 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 right. but no yes that movie is very much a drama through and through as far as the story it's telling but i do think it from a cinematic standpoint, it has a, it has a lot to like work with, which is why you just haven't seen sure. many adaptations of that as a musical very often. So it's like, well, I I I like Lars Bruncher, so so I I like. Well, yeah, that's you, Mark. <laughs> relentless, relentlessly beat, beat to a yeah. Your your version submission. of in the Heights would just start with just like dozens of people getting deported and shot. So I mean, like, <laughs> it, no, his, his version is like the scene from The Godfather Two where they're coming to Ellis Island, just like sad and depressing. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> classic Marcus. And maybe uh, you know, I enjoyed like... the cel- this is a celebration. I enjoyed it, <laughs> but I just wish that the the stakes for me 
are when it becomes real and emotional and connective. And it was just a shame that I really loved this movie, but it was a shame that it, it took that long for me to really get into no, this. We're, we're gonna really re, we're gonna re-edit it for you, Marcus, and uh-huh. it'll be perfect. I'm curious if you uh-huh. see, if, I'm curious if you, knowing what you knowing that you know the film now, if you see it again, if you'll have a different like takeaway from how that all plays out. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, curious. Too. I'm I'm going to watch the movie. It's a very watchable yeah. film. That's the other. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's it like I would. I would watch this movie again just to be like, now that I'm I'm done compressing all my thoughts and dealing with them, <laughs> how how do I how do I think about this movie as as it is represented? Um, I you know last things to wrap up, mm-hmm. just um, Stanford sucks for real, <laughs> and quite honestly, I was like you know it's a, it, I I do want to encourage people to go to college uh, because college is like where you start to like open up about yourself and realize yourself, and you also like tend to go and find people that you really jive with and so i was like you know uh nina stay for a little bit i I know you didn't have a great experience you should totally like uh demand an apology from your roommate but you will find your people there because the bay is great so uh go go find uh your group and continue to be who you are going to be nina go to college but fuck stanford any other (laughs) any other thoughts on in the heights before we wrap up here well yeah i guess i'll just kind of go back and saying like how Marcus brought up like the whole thing with Vanessa and the apartment thing right and so I can kind of see his like reasoning of wanting like maybe that whole scene with Claudia like earlier because then like moments like with her it's like okay we get it like she I mean we later on see it with the whole drop class from Pete but like she can't even like concentrate and get inspiration when she has moved you know but like it's just interesting but i think it's fun though like it's like how it makes me think when i used to sit in like my workshops for poetry like someone can take your whole poem and then if they just flip it it ends up being better and i feel like for maybe marcus and abe it's kind of that moment or even for anyone else who watches this film they like feel kind of like on the edge of like eh, it's fine but there's moments here maybe there's those moments you just got to bump up a scene or use a, the, a different framing device or what have you. But I feel still like it's, you still get like that enjoyable feeling of just sitting in a theater and watching it, mm-hmm. but it's not going to be the same, of course, in a play, but you just have to go in knowing that it's just like when you pick up a book, you read it, you shouldn't really go and watch the film version, but like, and I know people always get so bummed by it, but they're like, it's not like the book. <laughs> And it's like, this is this is all trash now. I'm not ever going to watch this. But that's just how it is. I just I, I will say the film received an A cinema score from the audiences that did go out and see it. And, uh, yeah, you know, it it's it's highly rated as it is. But, I mean, yeah. I, I don't think any of us are saying that it's, you know, not accomplishing at least what it's trying to do, even if it's not emotionally grabbing you in the same ways as others. I think it. Uh, the, I do want to mm-hmm. add that my I think my expectations are very high. I'm a huge Lin-Manuel Miranda fan, and my expectations were really high. So that first hour, I was kind of like let down a little bit. That's not to say that the first half isn't watchable. It's just to say I was let down. I, I thought it was flat. I'm going to I'm gonna uh, have a vegan lunch with you, and we're going <laughs> to discuss this even further. I know that it's you're vegan. Part- Yes. For Marcus, he had the sparkler, but it wasn't sparkly (laughs) enough for him. That's what happened. I wanted a firework, and I got a spark. (laughs) We we might might do like a a scene by scene breakdown in the first hour and a half. (laughs) I also think I I I agree with you. I should watch it again. So yeah, I I definitely want to give it another go. 
So the movie is currently available in theaters, IMAX, and on HBO Max, of course. When should people go and see this film, Marcus? Um, you go in the in the uh, well, I would see it on HBO, but um, you know, if you feel it's safe, go go and see in your area. Go see it in in the theater. I, I think it's an it's it's a musical experience that really I saw it on HBO, but it would probably look just give me a different frame of mind in 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 the theater. Anna. I would say definitely go see it in a theater. And another addition note, learning Usavi's name just made me laugh the first time we saw it. <laughs> it was like, Aaron knows, like, I couldn't stop laughing. Mm-hmm. It was like this uncontrollable laughter. And like, <laughs> it's just too funny. Yeah. So yeah, go see it in a theater because I'm actually happy we saw it again in the theater instead of watching it um, on HBO Max because it's that whole scope thing, right? Like this is a, grand musical full of color life and everything so that's where i would see and go see in a theater i also laughed at the the origin and then i thought about the other branches of military and i was like (laughs) it still works out for us out of me uh maybe not us marines but you know whatever um in our old in our in our theater or i'm sorry in our uh i guess our, our current uh scale I'd say this is like a dollar theater where it's still worthy of you to go see it in the theater <laughs> wow. because it's, I'm the, oh my I'm, gosh I'm, I'm not it's, I'm not downbeating on it it's just more of like it's still <laughs> to be seen in theaters uh, but you don't have to run out and see Red Ray because it's also streaming on HBO Max uh, go see it in IMAX it's fantastic it's, you love it, this movie yes wow. I do yeah, it's great it, yeah. <laughs> it's fantastic yeah. it's, it's a great time and see this is what's so interesting right like we clearly know that it didn't do so well in the box office performance. And this is what I've been talking about with Aaron. Just like, how would this have played out last year? Like in, if this came out in March before things shut down, like would it have been super extravagant, like money just rolling in people going to see it because you do get like these positives, like on Twitter, right? Like, Oh, this is a good feeling film of the year. You're going back to theaters, but like, where does it show when, it's also an HBO Max and then in a theater. And, you know, right now, for the most part, most people are going to probably just watch it at home because, like, yesterday, like, the theater we went to, there was probably a good, you know, eight individuals in there, and they were all older. <laughs> they were probably, like, you know, in their 50s. Oh, yeah, it's a Saturday so afternoon like... screening in the daytime. Like, I, I get it. I mean, yeah. I, I heard you say, like, my – We'll never know, honestly, what the difference will be. Yeah, there's just too many. There's too many variables as far as this goes. My, I lean on the Disney released Hamilton for free on Disney Plus last year, and now there's another Lin Manuel Miranda musical that's also streaming for free at home. I, mm-hmm. you know, just no matter how much film Twitter says this is amazing and you should go and see it in theaters, that just doesn't work for everything. It rarely works mm-hmm. if anything right. as far as movies that are seemingly very popular online. Um, versus what the general audiences want to choose to see for a two and a half hour musical that's in theaters during a pandemic yeah i can understand being like well if we saw hamilton here we could watch this movie here like i get that exactly and i think that's what's hard too most people are probably like putting those together again where it's like it's just like the whole thing okay hamilton and then they have expectations and they watch this and they're not into it because it's totally different and it's just like the same thing west side story coming out later it's like why pit things to like against each other. It's kind of like when the Book of Life and what was it Coco? Uh-huh. When those came out, it's just like why can't these just be there? 
<laughs> to be fair, then, it's it's people that create these conflicts versus what's actually happening. For like Coco came out like a year and change after Book of Life did. Like they didn't come out simultaneously. Now that said, Disney's not above this. I mean, they made a Bug's Life when Ants was coming out, and very deliberately re-released a Bug's Life when Ants did came out because they like to do these things. <laughs> How dare they? <laughs> that movie aged pretty well. <laughs> I like both Kevin, of them. Kevin Spacey's still a villain. <laughs> you know what? I wanted to. I'm not like one to like i don't even care really because it's just it's acting but i brought this up with aaron and i'm like i'm curious from abe and marcus standpoint where the actors in the heights you know they're either puerto rican dominican or um, panamanian Mm -hmm. but i'll just throw out how for example anthony ramos is puerto rican but he's playing dominican Mm -hmm. and then you have uh, leslie grace yeah one of us is mexican who's mexican oh yeah um, barrera but it's vanessa yeah she's mexican. so well i mean i'll we'll leave her to the side for a second but i'm just kind of pinpointing those like do you guys like i don't really again like i don't want to make this like a conversation for something but it's just like it's interesting because people bring this up like when it was selena right and they, they chose jennifer lopez a puerto rican to play selena yeah. so it's kind of interesting and i know they're all like buddies and they're all broadway friends and everything but it's like how you, you get Anthony Ramos, who's who's Puerto Rican, but playing Dominican. Like, what do you guys think or see with that, if you want to discuss that or not? I, I have less a problem with do with uh, people playing lighter if somebody wants. So I'd heard this is my so you said you had watched the Selena thing and that the, there was a mm-hmm. backlash on the Selena thing about her being played by a, a, a lighter skinned uh, woman. Of mm-hmm. color, and uh, because she was she was she was darker. Right. Um, I have more problem with that than I do with a community of Latinos coming together and going, "Hey, you know, this is this is our project. This is what we're gonna do, and it's gonna be a celebration and less of a. Um, this is specifically how Dominican acts, and this is which could happen in other movies. This is specific. This is a caricature of a Dominican, and this is a caricature of a Puerto Rican. So mm-hmm. I, that that's my stance for that. Yeah, and in large part, like I, if they had discussions about it pre-production, then that's the best, right? Because I I would agree with Mark is that because this is a, a positive uplifting movie, and it's not as though it's based in some sort of true to to fact life. Because when you have like Memoirs of a Geisha and you cast Chinese actresses, yeah, mm-hmm. for like Japanese young young Gigi as a Japanese person, but she's Chinese, and this is about a Japanese storyline. In a Hollywood production. Uh, about like, <laughs> yeah, and a whole entire Japanese production. But, like, you know, the comfort women of Japan, it's like, that's not really historically accurate. And this is like, right. this is very dismissive of the, the uh, issues, right? But, you know, things like that where it's like, yeah, you shouldn't have done and, You know, even like the Selena thing, like, you know, if Jennifer Lopez, like... Yeah, she's Puerto Rican, but Selena is Mexican. Like I, I probably would have looked for a Mexican actress, right? Right. Oh uh, yeah, right. most definitely. But like but for it's this, just where a, it's I like Anthony guess... Ramos, like, hey man, like it's just we're in Washington Heights. Like, hey, do you guys have a problem if I'm playing a Dominican? Because again, like I mentioned, he doesn't look Dominican, right? And I, it's like I lived in Boston. I, I've been mm-hmm. on the East Coast. Like, I, yeah, he doesn't like Dominican at all, right? Um, right. So, I mean, I mean to be fair, Dominicans come in different yeah, totally. shades yeah. and, and so well, you got, do Cubans you got that Afro, and so do, you got so the Afro-Latinos, right? For sure there's a lot of different influences 
there. So that, that, that's why visually I didn't have a problem. If you if you didn't know going in, I didn't have a problem. But yeah. I see where this could be a problem if this was a a white production. Yeah. Um, and this was the these were the decisions that were made, and it was blatant, and they tried to just mm-hmm. get one pass. And yeah. so uh, this doesn't seem like that. Same. Right. That's, that's where a, that's where I come down to. It's an artist's vision yeah. at that point for something that's pretty specific, and it's you know it's this show with these creatives involved where they know the people they're going to and they know the choices that they're making. It's not a matter of we're right. choosing this because we want to deny others this. Exactly. I will say now, <laughs> I you know these leads, I get it. As far as you know, if you want, Mark, as you mentioned, colorism. I mean. It was a pretty light-skinned movie for Washington Heights. There could be a lot darker shades of people throughout this thing that just aren't there, right. um, which is oh, not right. not unnoticeable. It's not a deal breaker, right. but you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a, I hear you there. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jimmy Smith is the, is the darkest Latino we have in here, and, and maybe like the three hairdresser you know, ladies, and the three hairdresser ladies. But yeah, for sure, you would like to see. Uh, uh, a Cuban who is like Afro-Cuban. Uh, an Afro-Cuban or a Cuban that you would see on a, like, not a Cuban that, that is an Americanized Cuban. That's why I, oh, I never see that. Um, yeah. Well, like the actress that plays Claudia is Cuban. But for it's sure, like, yes. It's that whole thing, right, where, I mean, any race, really, whether it's Black, a Latino, Hispanic, even Asians, like, there's a color spectrum. Like, there's right. the light to the dark, to dark to light. But it's just so interesting because I guess maybe for Puerto Ricans and Dominicans, they're more close because in the Caribbean. So it's kind of more unison of a like, oh, it's we kind of can blend together because when it comes to Mexican and then Puerto Rican, well, I told Aaron before, like Puerto Ricans do not like to be called Mexican. Like that is like, how dare you? Right, you know, sure. and like I've uh, Cuban and she's gotten that any anybody from California and you say, oh, I speak Spanish, it's going to be, you're Mexican, right? Right. And so, but, like, definitely they're very adamant of, like, they're proud of being Puerto Rican. And, like, I've had in the past, before even meeting Aaron, like, this guy one time, like, I was taking the train, and he was like, let me know, like, you're Puerto Rican, because I can only be with Puerto Ricans. And I was like, (laughs) well, I'm going to, I'm like, listen, I'm going to break your heart right now, because I'm not Puerto Rican. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, it's just so weird because, like, I mean, when people do look at me, like, it gets a mixed reaction, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, it's why are you so stunningly beautiful, and why do you already have a great boyfriend? Is that what they say? <laughs> exactly. Yes, now, exactly. Moving now. on. No. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's just interesting because, like, I used to joke at school when I went from an MFA, and I'm like, should I just go stand with a table and put, guess what I am? Because <laughs> I would just want to generate that and, and see, you know, what people think, because it was always people thought I was Puerto Rican. Even to this day, people think I'm Puerto Rican. And I mean, I have nothing against Puerto Rican people, but I'm like, I'm not Puerto Rican. Just like how they're like, they're not Mexican. <laughs> like, I'm, it's just but it's interesting. I guess maybe it's just um, I mean, when it comes down to it for myself, like I'm like, it's just acting like when people get into those type of conversations. I'm like, I don't really sweat over it. because I'm like, it, it is acting. And. Like you should be able to like, but I get it when you want to have like some representation that's closer to that culture. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So but, I mean, but that I mean, was just like, interesting. Right. But Aaron and, and especially when there's so many different types of actors out there right now, yeah. and mm-hmm. production people and writers and whatever, 
to to actively now it would seem like you're going out of your way to do it and we've seen right. that with a couple of productions in the past year right where people have said it looks like you're going out of the out of your way not to cast a certain type of person or from a certain type of group so yeah for sure mm-hmm. all right well that appraise that <laughs> Anyway. anyway yeah no well, okay. the last thing i would say like mm-hmm. i definitely would choose a paragua over ice cream like any day like uh, yeah, Aaron sure. knows that for sure like when i saw like those scenes they made me laugh so much i'm like yeah like who wants ice cream when it's hot outside it's disgusting officer from a truck it's gross oh, and wait, the heat, oh, I... like a hundred like i i'll go for the snow cone like <laughs> so I, quick i don't want anything from a guy called mr softy that's just weird to me but um <laughs> so i mean we've had played George washington though <laughs> <laughs> we've had uh, we've had plenty of random tangents on the side so i'm happy to have one that speaks about representation in film that's not a problem whatsoever so For happy sure. to get into the conversation to begin yeah. with with that said though that is our review of in the heights which uh, we're all basically positive on some more than others but um moving on now let's get to uh, a what what time is it here oh i think it's time for a competitive game In the Heights. Well, yeah, later. Later. that's actually the the ringing of the bells that Lynn Moel Miranda does. Aaron, <laughs> oh, okay. uh, I forgot yeah. I had a thing. I have to go. <laughs> <laughs> no, Marcus, I see in your calendar oh. that you synced with me for some reason that you have about uh, six more hours that you can play games. Uh, uh, Don't you know oh, it? It's lunchtime. He, he's going to go get that um, arroz con pollo right now. Oh, he there has you to go. go. Oh, great. <laughs> Anna, oh. I, I believe you've made a game for us this week. I did. Alrighty. So right, let's do it. You ready? So it's called yes. Don't Look Down, movies that take you to different heights. Ooh. And so oh. I'm gonna describe like like moments of a film or what have you, and you have to buzz in with your name and then say the film that I'm describing. Okay. Okay. Alrighty. <laughs> we can do this. <laughs> yeah. I, I love a good pre guess. Uh, so, hey. This doesn't sound any easier than you an know what, Marcus. You know what they say. Yeah. No this sounds like a trick. Sigue, yeah. sigue. We okay. can do this. Okay. We're continuing yeah. on. All right. Live All right. My spirits. Is everyone ready? Yes. Yes, Abe. Man on wire. <laughs> Is that the first one? I'm gonna just read the first one. <laughs> so I guess that's not the answer. I hate it. I Oscar? hate a good pre-guess, by the way. <laughs> the what? I hate a pre-guess. That's that's my position on that. <laughs> so I'm going to switch it up since Abe shot out the first answer. What? I did get it right. That's why I hate a pre-guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What? Okay, Boom, so give him that no, point. No, 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 that doesn't count. I'm going, I'm going from the bottom now to the okay. top. All right. <laughs> All right, you ready? This film goes to new heights by driving cars off a plane in midair with parachutes. Aaron. Abe. Fast Seven. Aaron. Aaron. <laughs> Furious Seven. Furious Seven is the uh. correct answer. <laughs> no, I'm not winning yet. <laughs> I know. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it really slow. <laughs> oh my god. Oh no. Oh, no. oh my god. Are you ready for the next one? Okay. Yep. Yes. Trapped inside a trailer while hanging off a cliff is no fun, especially when dinosaurs are trying to push you over. Abe. Abe. 
The Lost World, colon, Jurassic Park. That's correct. Good, good full answer. I like that one. Yeah. <laughs> they get it wrong. Colon. Yeah. <laughs> at that, at colons now? <laughs> like Burn, you may take one step at a time as you look beneath to see it would be quite a fall making your way across a train bridge in this film. Abe. Abe. Stand by me. Stand by me. Oh. Boom. I just playing against myself here? Come on, guys. Wow. Jeez. All right, next one. <laughs> to prove his worth, Andy has to leap from the lion's head to an invisible bridge. Aaron. Aaron. Uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Oh. Yes. Oh, Indy. Okay, I thought you said Andy. Yeah. And I was like, oh. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. I'll get it. I'll get it. Have we started yet? <laughs> Marcus, We're I'm just gonna transfer started. my points to you. <laughs> yeah, can I have somebody? Can yeah. I get like a? <laughs> All right, the next one. The opening sequence of this film definitely takes Gabe Walker to action up high. Hmm. Gabe Walker. Gabe Walker. Um... The opening of this film, action up high. Gabe Walker. Aaron. Mm-hmm. Aaron. Aaron. Cliffhanger. Aaron. That Damn correct. it! Oh, Gabe Walker. <laughs> yeah, Gabe. That's Sylvester Stallone's name. Yeah, <laughs> he totally looks like a Gabe. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite. Even Cliff. My, my, that's my, a better name. <laughs> his name should be Cliff M. Hanger. Uh, yeah. <laughs> my, my favorite of these tough guys has always been um, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Collateral Damage. His name is Gordy. That just kills me. <laughs> he loses his family in that movie. Yeah, his name's Gordy. <laughs> Gordy. He's, a, he's, also a, he's just a regular American firefighter named Gordy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, stop talking nonsense. <laughs> All right. Um, next one. Tom Cruise takes his stunts hey. to new heights as he scales a skyscraper, skyscraper in Dubai. Uh, hey, Mark- hey. Go ahead, Marcus. Oh my God. Um. Uh. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, it's Mission Impossible. Oh, oh I'm gonna say, it. was it Fallout? No. Uh, okay, so oh, hey, you want to give the correct oh, answer now? Is it, what is? Hey, what, Mission what is Impossible: it? Ghost Protocol. Ghost Pro. What was the other? But I'm giving my um, point to Marcus. Why? I don't need your damn charity. <laughs> I don't need your charity. Oh, you're right. right. That was the one I liked, too. Burj Khalifa. <laughs> so close. Pretty close. All righty. Next one. Burj Khalifa is one of my favorite rappers. <laughs> okay. Harold Lloyd hangs several stories high from a clock. Aaron. Aaron. Safety last. Safety last is correct. Next one. Actor James Stewart stars in this film where his character has to face his fear of heights. Aaron. Aaron. Vertigo. One of the you best YouTube said it in the James Stewart voice. <laughs> yes, Vertigo. Oh, Vertigo. <laughs> that's, that's why I didn't do that. <laughs> oh my God. Wow, oh. these stairs are so high. <laughs> Is, is oh my that gosh. Stewart? That's wow. No, it's it's, like it sounds like um, the older. <laughs> oh, wow. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. This is the last one. Okay. okay, good. I can't just walk up the stairs. 
You know how it is? Pitch, have you seen the stairs? Look at Kim Novak over there. She can't make it up the stairs. <laughs> who, who is this man with the camera? Alfred M. Hitchcock? Anyway. <laughs> okay. Last one. Everyone catch a breath. Okay. Caught it. This Oscar-winning documentary showcases tightrope walking across the Twin Towers. Oh, Marcus. Come on, Marcus. Marcus. Man on Wire? Yeah, you That's got correct. one. And was very confident about it, apparently, too. Yeah, well, I thought I was like, I was playing it over my head, and I was like, am I going to miss a word? But I was like, man, I don't know. All right. So I have like a 10-point handicap, so that puts me into winner. I think so, yeah. <laughs> I think Aaron won that one by like one or two. Yeah. yeah. So Aaron has five, Abe has three, and Marcus has one. So I'm dumber than a five-year-old. So this is the recap that yeah. I got. I, uh, even a five-year-old. Even at a five-year-old, Marcus. Maybe like is a, six a five-year-old year getting vertigo? <laughs> no. They could. Only if they bought they uh, that one U2 album. <laughs> I mean, they, they can't, uh, unless they did it with the accent, too, we'd give them 100 points. <laughs> You'd be surprised. I mean, the other day, this little kid just, like, busted out doing Ghostbusters theme song, and I was like, what do you know about Ghostbusters? And they're like, I watched it. Hey, and I was like, okay. He knows that's, he knows that's who to call. Yeah, I was like, you're, you're a kindergartner? Interesting. Yeah. Or even preschool kids? Like, it's interesting. I guess they're really getting to this. They're getting ready for Ghostbusters, the next one. So. There you go. Not not making me feel any better <laughs> all right then here we'll just throw one out there. <laughs> here's the last uh, one i in case there was a tie oh there's a tie breaker oh, 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 yeah, let's, yeah, let's hear it let's get let's it throw it in here it's just gonna get more throw it in i'm on the ground already i'm dead already okay with the roof of nakatomi plaza about to blow <laughs> come on marcus <laughs> John McClane is wrapped a fire hose around his waist and jumps off the side of this building in this film. Die Hard. Yeah. No, it's Die Hard too. Nakatomi, Nakatomi. He's a weapon. All right. Every Shane Black movie. All right. Well, Aaron, you did you did win that round of games. Thank you, and thank thank you for creating the game. Yes. Yeah. No problem. It was fun. Well, let's move on. Let's get to let's get now now feedback. You you will get feedback, you will get feedback. last place. Aaron knows I don't do participation trophy, so Aaron literally would get the first one. It would get second. You get third place. Yeah. So you actually placed. You didn't get a participant trophy. You got bronze. <laughs> feedback. Yeah. So now we're now we're in feedback. We're going to go over the various questions answered on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash on our podcast. We asked a number of questions to the listeners and they gave us some answers. So Abe, why don't you start this one off? First question is what are your favorite modern musicals? Let's say nineteen nineties and up performances. Uh so performances and modern musicals. Chris has John C. Riley for Mr. Cellophane in Chicago. Uh, Irene has Chicago and Dream Girls. Uh, both very good movies. Yeah. Any favorite modern day musical performances? Hmm. I'd say uh, I'd say every song in the sapphires. There you go. Okay. What? Every song in the sapphires. Or no, they they are the sapphires. The the movie is um, now I forget the name of the movie. The sapphires. <laughs> so is it is it is that the name of the movie? The one with like with uh, what Chris O'Dowd. Chris O'Dowd. Yeah, that's the yeah. that's the sapphires. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. 
And their group is also the Sapphires. Got it. Okay. What about the, that movie Frank? Yes. Michael. Yeah. I, mean, I love it, the part where yeah. he's like, he's like, this is shit. It's a musical, right? He's, sure. He's saying. That said, the, the question was about performances specifically for musicals. That's a good performance. Yeah, he Michael does everything Fassbender. with a headpiece. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm losing this podcast. Yeah. I'm, I'm... No, I got you. I got you. I'm still here. Uh, next question we have here. What are your favorite classic movie musical performances? Uh, Chris writes, easy, anything Louis Armstrong, but Skeleton in the Closet for Pennies in Heaven is the winner. So classic mm. musical performances. Um, Baloo singing uh, Bare Necessities with Mowgli in 1953? I believe that's 67, if I'm not mistaken. 67, okay. Jumble book, yeah. yeah. That's a great movie, though. What was the year? Cla- classic musical performances. Just... Oh, but do you have, like, a year around it? Anything before, like, like the before 80s. Before the 80s. Oh. Classic musicals. Oh, I'm blanking right now. If you think of something, feel free to Surely, like, Hepburn and um, Funny Face for you, right? Yes, yeah, Singing in the Rain for Marcus. Singing in the Rain. Oh, yeah, Singing, singing in the Rain for sure. Babe? Yeah, and Singing in the Rain. It's, that's a classic. Okay. There you go. I'm a big fan of Jesus Christ Superstar. I think it's cheesy goodness. Any any song. Four cheese goodness, yeah. Yes. Everybody's belting it out to eleven. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Brushes at Tiffany's, Moon River. There you go. All right. Well, the next question is, uh, what are some great movies about specific boroughs in New York? Chris says, do the right thing. Oh uh, yeah. Which is a, a solid answer. Um, any the other Warriors. The Warriors, the Warriors for sure. Yeah, yeah, coming, yeah. To play. yeah. coming to America, Queens. <laughs> that's where that's where all they they must be, right? Yeah. <laughs> Where's Ghostbusters? Like Manhattan mainly? Yeah, I think like most of Manhattan because like they go to like the public library, which is like a little bit uptown, uh-huh. but yeah. Yeah, I mean there's like a lot of great. I sure. <laughs> Anything else? <laughs> I, mean, I don't. The Warriors is the only thing that really sticks out. In terms yeah. of specific boroughs, yeah. Yeah. Coming they to America, whole call. night, you know. The King of Staten Island. Where does that one take place? I think Brooklyn. Oh, <laughs> oh Brooklyn? The movie Brooklyn? <laughs> yeah, also the movie Brooklyn, sure. <laughs> Great cinematography. <laughs> All right. Name some musicals of terrific production design that you admire. Chris writes My Fair Lady and Moulin Rouge. Cabaret. My Fair Lady, yeah. Cabaret, yeah. Yeah. Musicals with great production? I mean, like, a lot of them have great production. Production design, mm-hmm. specifically, but yeah. Yeah, production design. Well, I mean, like, yeah, it's production design. Yeah. You can throw Singing in the Rain in there again. There you go. That guy's Singing in the Rain. Nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's, the answer. Answer. <laughs> That's the answer for everything. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Defaults. Uh, the description is, uh, are there some movie musicals that you constantly sing songs from? Chris has, if there's a guilty pleasure, it's a soundtrack of Eurovision Song Contest, colon, what? the story of Fire Saga. That's absolute the one. Awesomeness. Chris, hashtag, yaya, ding dong. Oh, boy. Um, well, Singing in the Rain works here as well, Anna, so there you go. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't really sing I do it find all myself the time, singing but, in the I mean, rain. Yeah, but I, I do sing, like, songs from, like, uh, Moana and Coco every now and again, where it's just like sure. you're welcome. Yeah, I I, I know the in in, uh, in the Heights. I know the entire soundtrack for Oklahoma. I was gonna say it'll, it'll never come up. In conversation. 
It'll never come up in conversation, so I'm going to insert it right here. Okay. That well, is my answer. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I was going to be embarrassed to say it, but that's my answer. Like, for some reason, I don't know if it's, like, stuck with me since eighth grade when our music teacher, like, introduced us to um, be to record at Broadway shows. And one I will never forget is Oklahoma. And, like, I find myself every now and then, like, walking up the stairs and, like, going, okay, L-A-H-O-M-A, hey! Like, I don't, it's just a thing, it just... That needs to be at the start of the show. Um, <laughs> Sing Street comes to mind. Uh, yeah. As far as recent ones. Driving like you stole it. Aaron's like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go and settle this on a lower Um, I tend to say crazy cool a lot from West Side Story. Uh, just randomly to myself. Um... <laughs> Uh, and like yeah, there's a lot of Disney ones that pop in there because why not? Yeah. I mean, would you say that the um, the other guys is a musical? Because you know, no, Michael Keaton doing all the TLC stuff. <laughs> so I mean, he's not even singing. He's not even acknowledging the fact that he's doing songs. <laughs> what are you guys talking about? <laughs> Last question here: What stage musical do you want to see adapted into a feature, and what about the other way around? Chris writes, "Well, The Greatest Showman for a stage production, and Blood Brothers for a musical, for a movie." Sorry. Dear Evan Hansen, of course. <laughs> How <laughs> dare you? I, I, I don't know. Um, the Lego Batman movie. That should be a stage musical. Into a stage production? I yeah. was just thinking of like a movie that I watched recently, uh, Road to Perdition. That'd be a great stage play. Oh, yeah. Um, with singing, yeah. For sure. My goal, you're dying. <laughs> um, oh, man. Obviously, a musical that should be a movie is probably actually that's a good question uh spider-man turn off the dark <laughs> everyone's gonna get everyone's gonna get injured by the end of the movie well it didn't oh that didn't really work well right like they had spider-man on broadway i'm like saying that to turn it to a movie turn that this turn that play into a movie well they had it at universe studios it used to be like the little show yeah that's a show i was like turn it adapt into a movie, movie. You know, I, I think like Which the real answer that movies. I would love to see. Yeah, is but the, the, those movies don't have songs, babe. <laughs> oh, well, they should, you have, they like, should probably Toby, just make like... Birdman into a, a stage production. That'd be great. <laughs> well, I guess I don't really need like like a play to be made into a film, but I guess like Light in the Piazza would be one. There you, you go. Could, you could do. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Alrighty. Well, that's out now. Feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. And that is going to bring an end to this week's episode. So Oof, Marathon this week. Uh-huh. You can find more of my work at my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I'm also writing reviews over at Leave Entertainment and Why So Blue. And I'm on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can find more fun stuff over my Instagram, Abe.Mua, and Twitter.com slash WalrusMoose, hashtag Gekalor. <laughs> <laughs> Marcus Robinson, where can people find more? Why is everybody laughing? It's very hot here. <laughs> Marcus Robinson, where can people find more of you online? <laughs> uh, oh wow moviesmarcus.com uh twitter movies marcus and uh instagram movies marcus one or doodles marcus um i'm always uh i'm always there so we knew you before you became <laughs> guy. Great. Yeah. love liana bosch where can people find more of you online well i'm on twitter at right to recite and then also can be found on at right or it's right to recite wordpress.com where you can find like Food reviews, film reviews, and poetry. Great. You, yeah. you can find all the other episodes of Out Now Fair Name on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher. Thanks a lot for making HHWLOD. Feel free to email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. 
right on our Facebook wall, Facebook.com, search on a podcast, or tweet us at twitter.com slash out now underscore podcast. And of course, our Instagram Instagram page, instagram.com slash out underscore podcast as well. Marcus, Anna, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you both. Thank You're welcome. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Thank you for that <laughs> game. I gotta thank you again. You're very welcome. <laughs> uh, but yes, thank, thank you for the game. Thank you all for listening. Thank you very much for joining us. Tune in next week. We'll be talking about Luca. Available on Disney Ooh. Plus exclusively because Disney's making choices. But with Disney's all that said, being super uh, super jerky about it, yeah. With all that in mind, uh, that is going to do it for this week's episode. So until next time, so long and goodbye. So sweet and nice, piragua. Tengo de mango, tengo de parcha, de piña y de fresa. Tengo de china, de limón, de peso y de peseta. Hey, piragua, piragua. No black of ice, piragua, piragua, piragua. So sweet and nice, piragua. Made it super easy thinking of you because of Aaron. Yeah. Like I, I tell Aaron, I'm like, great, you're making the game, so that means Abe's gonna win because Marcus and I don't like games, and so, <laughs> <All right. laughs> and so it's okay. pretty, it's pretty self-explanatory. It's easy. It's like a, you know, <laughs> if you were in a grade the for kids, the fact that you said easy <laughs> five or six times now just makes me just I. I feel like it's gonna be that much worse when it. No, when it's like for if you're in a, if you're in an age group, and I'd say like kids five plus and up could do this. Like <laughs> it's oh boy. <laughs> just, just, just when I be, get when just, I get zero points. <laughs> just, just to be clear, Marcus, this does not transfer to you. You can't make a game to not do games when you're on this show. That's that's that <laughs> that, that, that doesn't okay. apply to you. All right. Yeah, yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how I feel about Lynn Moran Moran or Lynn Lynn. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Hold Come on. on. <laughs> I'm not sure how I feel about Lynn Manuel Miranda. Keep scraping.